Hey out there, Geek Fives Nation. This is Sandman, and you're listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Hey, thanks very much, man, for that call out. Actually, that was fake, but if you guys know like our banter before the show, you would understand <laughs> why we were so enthused with Sandman. Well, I will get him in an interview one day. That will be a wonderful interview. And you know what? That might be one I show up hammered and see where it goes. Anyways, how are you guys doing out there? It's a wonderful weekend again. I hope everyone's being safe and uh, doing your part to stay the fuck home, watch old school wrestling, and do whatever the hell you can do. Uh, stay afloat and, uh, you know, keep up in these crazy times. But this is another episode of... Re- Let me start over again. It's another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a weekly show that me and my co-host Christopher Brother Ray Patton do, where we talk about and review wrestling news and also wrestling events from the previous week. Uh, we didn't do a show on Thursday, so we got a super show today. Um, you know, should be released Sunday. You're, if you're listening to it, I don't know why I always explain that, because that means you're listening to it when it was released. I'm just used to doing this shit live. Uh, anyways, um, I got to introduce, obviously, my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How you doing, sir, and how's your week been? We're live, pal. <laughs> Um, I was doing fine, but then I started smoking fucking pencil shavings with Mustafa. (laughs) Motherfucker. Uh, I'm doing great, man. It's been a crazy weekend. I'm doing good. I got a little bit of sleep and then uh, excited to be here talking wrestling with you. How how was your week and weekend been, man? Week was weird, you know. Um, Watched uh, the first season of Ozarks because I'm doing what I'm told with every Netflix thing that everyone tells me to watch, but it's actually really good. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Love Jason Bateman. And I've been watching a lot of wrestling. Um, somehow I just can't get it enough, <laughs> but, um, Hey, whatever you have to do, you know, to te- <laughs> keep the time going, um, I would say is, 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 is good. So craziness. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you've been, You've been watching some really bad wrestling too. What did you say? 1998 WCW. Let me just explain. Let me just explain. 98 was not as bad as 99, 2000. We can, we can at least say that it was the downfall. Uh, but, uh, I was trying to watch something that would help me go to sleep in the middle of the night. So there is that it was either that or going back to the, the early nineties with all their shenanigans. Um, you know, it's, you got good and you got bad back then. With the 90s uh, WWE, you had Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, and then you had Duke the Dumpster Drozzy and Bastion Booger and all that bullshit. WCW, you got some stuff that's good and a lot of it that's not. But um, it was cool to see Kevin Nash garbed out like he was a part of No Limit Soldiers. That was uh, interesting um, in his tracksuit. What the well, fuck we, was the 90s? Like? <laughs> we all know that Big Sexy is... <laughs> 
Too sweet. Too sweet. Number one gangster of all time. Big sexy Kevin Nash. Oh Lord! And uh, Dennis Rodman was there. That was another. He was the return of 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 the of Rodzilla, and asking if Sting was going to join the Wolfpack, and inevitably he did. Um, God, I can't believe just going that far back and watching. And and obviously before that, I've been watching. Chris, you're gonna probably think I'm crazy. I've been watching a lot of old timey wrestling, like Ed Strangler Lewis. Any footage I can find on the internet and. And uh, other stuff, um, you know, Billy Robinson matches and uh, Luthez matches and uh, what the hell was I watching? A Frank Gotch match from Japan against Ricky Dozen. There's a bunch of stuff on the internet. It's crazy what you can find. It's not as, um, it's it's obviously much more legit styled, if you will. It's not as it, rehearsed, obviously, but it's still uh, pretty interesting stuff. You guys get a chance to watch, like, the old school stuff from the... Uh, you go back if you can find something of the '30s. Uh, Gorgeous George is in matches and shit. Um, I would definitely suggest if you want to look, go try it out. I mean, this is the the fundamentals and the beginning of what would become wrestling to us, uh, but more when it was actually pro wrestling and less, you know, the, the matches would be called a lot of times, but it was get in there, beat the shit out of each other. Like Vern Gagne is another example of that. So yeah, old timey wrestling on YouTube. You wanna you you want a uh, you want to do one time a um a watch along? We can record old timey wrestling and commentate on it. We should we should do uh, the wrestling fan starter pack for old timey wrestling, and then just end it with me talking about that time Vern Gagne almost killed a man in a retirement home while he was in a retirement home. <laughs> People he was forget crazy, about man. that. <laughs> I was looking up information about him and uh, they had a picture of him in his 60s and he was like posing like he was still like a viable wrestler and I, I swear to God if he grabbed you by the eye socket like th- there's the style of wrestling for them was so much more it looked like it would evolve into what would be UFC as opposed to being you know professional wrestling even so uh, just we can do a Buddy Rogers, uh, you know, Luthez match where he kicks the shit out of Buddy Rogers the whole entire time. Pretty funny stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know where I'm going with this. Someone stop me. Oh, God. <laughs> Somebody stop me. Like Jim Carrey style? Is that what no. we're at now? <laughs> Punch me in the face. Whatever. All right. Um, but yeah. So yeah, that, 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 that's, that's that. Uh, anyways, uh, we have a lot to talk about. Got some new subjects I want to get to. Uh, I think that the biggest one, Chris, that's non-related to professional wrestling, and we got two of those, but you know they kind of make sense. Uh, both of them kind of coincide with what's going on. First is uh, the XFL has reportedly laid off everyone except a skeleton crew of executives, and there will be no uh, season, at least in the future. Uh, this report came out, I believe, on... I think it was Thursday. Might have been yesterday, actually. And, uh, yeah, they're shutting down. Um, I don't know if basically this was a situation where I'm assuming it's a combination of two things. I'm assuming that they have potential for numbers, but it was going more down than anything since the beginning. I would not know that because I have not been watching the XFL, but I'm just assuming. And it wasn't it, – it would need more time to progress. And then the other reasoning is then – COVID-19 obviously hit, and now they had to cancel the season, so any type of um, 
any type of heat or momentum that they had pretty much is crushed. And you're going to be asking an audience to try to give it another chance next year. So sucks for all the people that were a part of it and that got laid off, obviously. Uh, WWE is probably losing. I mean, this is kind of uh, just an understatement. A shit ton of money. So I guess they got to figure out some different ways. Uh, just, uh, yeah, kind of unfortunate. I Like I said, Chris, I'm not the sports guy. I had a lot of... Um, Friends of mine that weren't associated, you know, with professional wrestling uh, co-workers and whatnot that were huge football fans that were checking it out and said that they did like a lot of the things about it. Um, but that was at the beginning. And then I didn't really hear anything uh, a few weeks later. And then obviously all this type of stuff started happening uh, with the virus outbreak. So uh, what do you think about all this? It's a little weird because the original reports that we got, they canceled the season the same day as the NBA canceled their season. And they came out and they said all players and coaches for the teams would be paid for the remaining games. So they had pretty much already they, – they only were playing eight games anyways. So that a four-week span for the XFL was going to be a huge deal, especially in the stadiums they had lined up, etc. What I don't know is when they say they laid off employees, do they mean they're not going to pay these players now after saying they were going to? Or is it just like we laid off all of our production team, etc.? Um, and the article didn't really dive into assume that. the latter. So, uh, I hope so. I don't hope for yeah. anyone to lose their job. But I want those athletes getting paid, obviously, because they put their bodies on the line. Yeah, and I mean, this is not – this is all over the – place right with people in production of large events or whatever losing their their jobs unfortunately just because of the nature of the beast and with the exception of like you know the nba or the nfl um it's kind of it's it's crazy to talk about but uh, i i still enjoyed the xfl up to like week four i never i think the big problem is like if you're here in georgia at least like who do you cheer for like there's no teams from here so you just kind of have to pick one and go, okay, I guess this is my team. There's not any really like star players that you would align yourself to either. So it's, it's kind of weird, but it was still like their idea of the rules for football and some of the changes they made and some of the different things they were doing were very interesting to watch on a week to week basis. And like I said, we kind of saw this coming just because they had already said they were going to pay the players for the rest of the season. I didn't expect them to lay off their employees, but I'm assuming they're going to rehire them next year. Vince is good for three years on this thing with the way the TV contracts and everything shook out. Um, and he, he already kind of knew this was going to be a money loss for him in the first two years. It's kind of like what Tony Khan thought AEW was going to be for him, where it's like, well, this is kind of a long-term investment, which ended up working out for him great, but he's also not trying to do football. Um, so it's, it's weird for sure. And and that definitely sucks for everyone that's involved. Yeah. I hope that they pick things back up. I thought it would be something good, but <clears throat> you know, um, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, another big thing that happened, like I said, that's kind of in the realm of, uh, you know, wrestling. Um, we had all this talk for us about, Dana White trying to play Shang Tsung and get some type of fucking island, uh, apparently, where he could still have UFC fights. Um, well, Disney kibosh that. <laughs> uh, the head of Disney, uh, basically, and the head of uh, ESPN uh, had a 
talk with Dana and some of the uh, other people, the higher ups, obviously in UFC, and told him that will not be happening. So the UFC has postponed, you know, all further stuff uh, for the immediate future. Dana's still, uh, you know, going off on reporters and now trying to take shots at Joe Rogan for comments he made on his podcast. Looking like a really, really professional dude. Um, I don't know. I think this guy needs to go to a spa if he can get a hold of one that's still open and chill out for a fucking while. But, um, yeah, I, I don't blame them. This is not the biggest thing. Obviously, professional wrestling, you have to worry about the virus itself. But even more so with immune systems being down. Uh, when you make fighters cut weight for these things. And I've heard Dave Metzler talk about this at length, about how dangerous this is. And even though there's less people involved in the situations that they're putting out, it's still not worth the risk for the fighters themselves. So after, I mean, after they lost the Khabib fight, um, it was kind of like the writing was on the wall, I thought. And then all the proposals of there being an island and a tournament... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to fight to fight Goro, uh, to fight Goro, uh, to hopefully be able to fight at the end of it, Shao Kahn, or I should say Dana White in an armored um, costume. Uh, what the fuck do you make of all this? And is Dana kind of like lost? And I understand there's a lot of fucking shit going on. He's got the media up his ass, but is he kind of losing it uh, within all of this? Uh, he has not came off smelling like roses, but I'm also not surprised because it's Dana White. And Dana White, I, I figured if there was someone that's going to have shows during this thing, it would probably be Dana White. I mean, the man went out. Didn't he already purchase this island? So like he owns part of this island or whatever, even before they said, hey, it's probably not a good idea that you do this. Like, I think that's already happened. So now he's even more pissed off than ever. I, I love your... Uh, I love that it was like Disney and ESPN shutting it down. I didn't know that piece of it. I just assumed that Tony Stark <laughs> showed up in a fucking meeting, full Iron Man suit. It's like, hey, uh, hey. Dana, <laughs> I, I don't know if this should be a uh, good um, idea to do. So uh, that was terrible. That was Bret Hart. I used to be able to do Tony Stark. Fuck my life. Okay, well, maybe it was Mickey Mouse. It's like, oh, shut up. Um, yeah, fucking just weird in general, man. Like, if you look around and every other professional sport is already preemptively canceling things in the NFL situation or doing the NFL draft completely remote and the NBA and NHL have completely shut down. I, I, it's like sometimes Dana White wants to be wrestling, but he also wants it to be a real sport. <laughs> that's that's what I've gotten out of most Dana White things. And when people are like, no, but this is like legitimate fighting. You can't just put a bunch of people on an island and call it good because they're on an island, Dana. Yeah, I agree with you. He always has had that that type of mentality uh, of trying to kind of look at things in a pro wrestling type of standpoint, which I think is smart. Obviously, boxing's done that before with having these characters. It's just, it's funny because he had been vocal so much in the past of talking kind of down to pro wrestling uh talking kind of down that's that's actually making light of it just talking a lot of shit about pro wrestling while at the same during that same time period when they were first getting popular uh trying to court chris benoit and especially kurt angle to try to do mma so that's he's a he's a strange individual i don't think i've ever really liked dana white 
too much. I thought he was always a cocky, egotistical nightmare. But at the same time, him in charge has done some extremely amazing things for the UFC with the Ultimate Fighter, with the accusation of pride and all the other stuff that they did. Um, so there is that. But, uh, yeah, he needs, to, he needs to chill the fuck out for a little while. So, he, I mean, he's basically like Vince McMahon's heel character, but in real life at this point, right? <laughs> yeah (laughs) like people talk about how crazy fucking vince is because let's be honest everyone knows how crazy vince is but like dana white's got to be right there on the same fucking level of crazy maybe that's how you maybe that's how you get as successful as those two have been you just have to be completely batshit crazy sleep three hours a night and uh not like people sneezing around you i guess that's the (laughs) that's that's the the marker if I'm a, if I'm going to take anything away from uh, Mr. Brody Lee, I would assume that, uh, but we'll talk about that later. All right, uh, another big news item that happened this morning, actually, uh, revealed on WWE and by multiple websites by themselves. The revival has been released by the WWE. Uh, pretty much, I want to say finally, just because, regardless if it's Sean Spears, regardless if it's Brody Lee, regardless if it's a revival or Rusev in the future, I would assume, you know. Um, if you don't or do like them, it still sucks for a professional wrestler, you know, one of the boys to have to take away year or months to years sometimes, depending on the person of their career, uh, for pettiness when they could just be released. Uh, some of it's trying to make sure they don't go to the opposition, but I don't, in the scheme of things, I don't think that WWE really gives a shit, but if they can be as petty as possible by doing such things um they're gonna do that so with uh the two of them you know uh dash and um and uh sawyer uh i think i could dash and dawson i mean dawson so i don't remember what the fuck their last name is why i'm looking wilder yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> i got their real names in front of me they don't have like their act their old names now i'm forgetting but anyways um it's not your fault say, they haven't been on tv for like eight months so it's, exactly it's hard to remember dan wheeler and david harwood formerly of that uh, <laughs> with what's probably going to be the name shatter machines since that was their old tag name uh and that's the name of their finisher and they trademarked that um you know it's 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 interesting i'd like to see them do something else i would assume if we're talking about what's going to be in their future if nwa was still an entity uh but unfortunately that's been sh- shut down the only people that are recording stuff right now um as of right now aew has a bunch in the can and they don't know if they're going to go back to production after that wwe's somehow trying to go back to a live format next week i have no fucking clue how that works um uh and then obviously impact recorded a couple things uh last week to kind of get keep them afloat a bit obviously ufc's done NWA, like I said, is done. So there's not a lot of options um, as there were beforehand. Ring of Honor is taking a break. So I would assume now if they're going to go anywhere, it's going to be AEW, but it's going to not be until, you know, they decided to come back. Um, and if I were to fantasy book the situation, look, I like Sean Spears. I think he's great. But I think it's proven that Tully picked the wrong guy in that situation. And I would throw away maybe even the tag team um, aspect of whatever the fuck they were going for. And just have Tully bring out his new uh, recruits and have them beat the shit out of Sean Spears and let Tully just, uh, you know, manage a revival. Um, I think that would be something that could work because I don't know where the fuck that's going, but 
obviously there's one other problem about that. Tully's not there. So I don't know. There's a, it's, it's a weird time, but the revival is released. I know a lot of people are excited about that. Um, I think that their style, I've, I've seen them in matches that I like them a lot in, and I've seen them, you know, as generally just being a, a kind of like, definitely not a farce, but mostly a direct tribute of older, you know, wrestling tag teams like the brain busters, um, and whatnot. So I don't know. I, I am excited to an extent. I think that would be cool to see them and uh, the Young Bucks obviously finally, t- you know, have some type of feud. But if it were up to me and everything was going was normal like it was beforehand, and I'm sure all of us would like to go just like in the past and do that. I would love seeing them show up on NWA doing something on that and then transitioning over to AEW. Um, I'm sure you heard the news this morning, but if you didn't, um, how do you feel about the revival finally getting released from WWE? So it's weird that they were released because I think their contract was up anyways, right? So it's, or it was coming up at the end of March. It seems like this was the end of their contract anyway. So I wonder what they mean by release or if that's a WWE spin on things. Um, They still have a 90 day no compete. So I don't know how much this is going to hurt them anyways. Unless there's, I I didn't see anything in the article saying that they were going to waive that 90 day no compete and whether they were going to tack on time to that or previous injuries of, of those those two, which is interesting. Um, man, I, I never I wasn't a huge fan of the revival in general. I get that people really like them. They're just kind of like two pretty good wrestlers who, to me, have absolutely no personality other than like, hey, we're the old school guys, which is fine, I guess, but they don't do it as good as like Steve Carino did it. So it's, I don't know. It's fine. I'm sure they'll go somewhere. If they get a mouthpiece like Tully Blanchard, like you were suggesting, probably be really great. I just, that tag team never really resonated with me. And I think I even, when they came up from NXT, we had a whole show where I was like, ah, whatever. Uh, In comparison to some of the other tag teams that were there at that time. I know a lot of people really like the revival. I know it's one of Jim Cornette's favorites. I'm sure they are really good. It's just I never saw that in them in WWE other than they're, you know, they're pretty good in the ring. Um, but there's nothing about them that stands out to me as like, oh, this, this is a fucking star tag team in comparison to some of the other people that AEW and WWE even to some extent have as far as talent goes. Yeah, I, I will say this about the Revival. Um, I think that their best work, and this happened to a lot of superstars, was stuff that they did in, uh, in whatchamacallit, NXT. You know, their match against American Alpha at uh, TakeOver Dallas. Uh, their match against, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, DIY. Then the match against them, DIY, and then the Authors of Pain. I think that, from what Arn Anderson has said, because Arn Anderson's a huge fan, he's another person I could see wanting to work with these guys directly. Um, maybe he's just... There is a lot of, like reasons why that would make sense i mean they pay tribute a lot towards arn's past two tag teams um but he was their agent uh, when they were in wwe and he even said that creatively they're completely held back to just being you know not not really getting any personality or getting anywhere with wwe obviously they won titles but they didn't really establish themselves and he kind of he was he was asked a question uh in a big q a that he did with um uh, on his show, basically, uh, 
you know, that he would love to work with them directly if they were to leave WWE and come to AEW in a management role or like beforehand as their agent with more of, you know, um, the strings or the strings cut, if you will. Uh, so if that's the case, if they can put on stuff and kind of turn it up and show personality and become really good heels, you know, which they're very much capable of, I think, then good. If not, they'll be exposed and we'll they'll go to, you know lesser in the card. I still think there is a fun feud to be had, especially with them trolling each other back and forth. I think more in good spirits than anything else than else, but between the young bucks specifically with the revival. And if you put Tully Blanchard or Arn Anderson behind them, you know, that would, I think, increase things, but with Arn, it would cause them to go heel. I don't know if they want to do that. Tully kind of makes more sense because, you know, out of him and Arn, he's a better talker, but I'm sure that still as an agent or some type of mentoring arm will be working with these guys because he praises them a lot. So, but then again, like I said, they tribute him. So I, I I'm not saying there's back scratching, you know, what I'm trying to say Chris, right? Any other last yeah, comment? Yeah. I mean, I would debate that Arn's a better talker than Tully, but I'll get some shit for that. <laughs> when Arn I don't know talks, well enough. I, when Arn talks, it's like your, your dad's disappointed in you. <laughs> But he's also mad yeah. at the same time. <laughs> um, Tully is also a great promo, and in that, if that's what they go with, I mean, if you're just doing the Young Bucks feud, it's like, do people even outside of our small internet, we watch all of the wrestling community, do people even remember that the Young Bucks were talking shit about them? Because WWE made them stop. That was the whole: you can't talk about the revival, you can't do uh, crotch chops, you can't mentioned dx you, you remember all that that was about a year ago but they sent them like a yep. cease and desist and that was like part of their entire show so i, I kind of curious if anyone even real, really remembers it but you know uh i know that wwe tried to copyright that what no flips just fists in the name the revival so i wonder how much of that they're even going to be able to play off of like i said man I mean, those guys are really good in the ring um they just never really were my jam as far as a, a tag team goes they're kind of just average dudes um, like nothing really stood out about them. Now you put them with Tully, my opinion may change completely. Maybe it it may just be the WWE filter, but the matches that you were naming, like those are all great tag teams that I have a higher appreciation for than the Revival, like American Alpha, DIY, um, and even Authors of Pain to some extent, just because they were a good big crew, and they had a great manager at the time period when they were in NXT. Like to me the revival were just kind of there against a lot of other really good teams at the time, even though they were tag champions and NXT. I just, I, I just never got it. I'm happy for them. It's, I guess if you're going to get released and have a 90 day non-compete, it's probably the best time to do it right now as fucked up as that sounds, because it's not like, you know, they can take any dates or anything anyways. Um, so weird. Hopefully they strive in AEW and, and make me a fan. I would love for them to make me a fan and have a really good feud against the Young Bucks and SEU and Private Party, etc. Yeah, it would it'd definitely be interesting. Um, and finally, I guess, just because he's the next person, it seems like, in line that did not decide to renew his contract, and I don't know exactly when it's coming up, but someone I'm I think kind of the most curious and looking forward to is the potential of Rusev and what he'll do outside of the WWE, whenever that is. Do you think that Rusev has potential to do big things in a company like AEW, or is his stock kind of 
been lowered so much that he might have to go somewhere else. I don't I don't think so, man, just because he's still super over. Even when they were doing the Bobby Lashley thing, the fans were still behind him. So I feel like if they let him turn that up to 11 and do the same thing they've done with Brody Lee, maybe take some pop shots at the at the WWE. Uh, who knows? The, the weirdest thing about uh, Rusev is, you know, his marriage with Lana and how she's involved with the roster. and They barely used her for so long. And then she's not really on what total divas anymore. And then his exit from the company, I'm sure would completely bury her to some extent. I don't know how much of that comes into play, but as far as Rusev as a performer and a character, I think he is a big enough character who has gotten over to some extent with the WWE crowd. I mean, if Jack Swagger can show up and kind of be a big deal, then Rusev should be able to show up and be a big deal. I like that. That's a good uh, final statement about the whole entire thing. And um, yeah, just interesting stuff. I tried to find out some information. Apparently, it's supposed to be up soon, so we'll have to wait on the exact time period. But him and Lana, that is a, a good point. Then again, it is happening with certain couples, obviously with um, Adam Cole and Britt Baker, which we'll be talking about later. Really impressed by Britt's performance on um, Wednesday. I'll just give that away right now. And also, I guess, um, Big Swall and Cedric Alexander. But, you know, I'm some, some couples obviously can maintain it since they still live in the same area and Rusev will have limited dates if he were to work for an AEW, though. But we'll have to uh, wait and see. All right, Chris, are you ready to are you ready to go over WrestleMania? The night's so <laughs> so so nice that you had to watch it twice, and I actually did watch some of it twice because I liked it. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting review right now. I don't think we've talked a lot about it. We, we really haven't. And you know what? I think my opinion from the initial shock of Sunday night has changed a little bit. Whereas I thought I was going to just rip into this show. Um, there's still going to be a bit of that, but not as harsh as I, my immediate reaction to watching the, this fucking thing on Sunday. Saturday wasn't that bad, but Sunday I was like, what the fuck. Yeah, there's... Um, i trying to think. There's... One highlight, I think, from Sunday, really, when it comes down to it. Um, for the wrestling, I'll put it that way. Um, I can't – it's kind of hard for me, like, you know, and we'll go over this. There's been a couple of them, and we're about to get one from AEW with more – with uh, the delete versus Matt Hardy type of stuff. The cinematic stuff is a very interesting aspect, um, but I'm now, after the Ciampa-Gargano fight, kind of over it. Um, I know they got to do what they got to do. And I will say I liked what Gargano and Ciampa did compared to which their feud was dead pretty much. I don't think a lot of us cared. And at least personally for me, that match, even though there were certain spots um, like uh, the, the air raid crash to the outside that obviously they didn't connect with the ground because of a camera angle. Um, and obviously this whole entire thing, they could have done more takes if they wanted to. And I, I don't blame them if they did that. But the cinematic stuff, Bray Wyatt's, uh, and even the giant meandering fight between Randy Orton and Edge, um, and kind of where I was going, it's that it was so hot, and Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano's kind of fizzled off, and I had more fun 
with Gargano and Ciampa just because of intensity, and they tried not to go as they didn't have to go in as many places. They didn't have to do as much. And unfortunately for Edge and Randy Orton, whoever fucking decided not to edit off at least 10 to 15 minutes off of that and just make it crisper should be slapped in the face. I'm just going to assume it's Kevin Dunn. I don't know. That was just we'll, – we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But I'm, I'm kind of – also, I'm also kind of over ladder matches for a little while. Um, I don't need these guys beating the shit out of each other that much. Um, in in my opinion, but this is going to be an interesting uh, interesting review. Um, we'll 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 start it off with the first match, the pre-show match. I thought it was a good short technical match between Drew Gulak and Cesaro. Not much to say, um, I would say about it. Uh, but you know, if you gave these guys a longer time, or if you gave these guys like an evolve match, they would. It would be excellent, but they just did a short match through Gulak loss, and it was nice seeing Cesaro, even if it's on the pre-show, get a win, but not much to say about that outside of that. Chris? Yeah, my feelings are kind of the same. These two guys are incredible. I think they could have had an awesome match if they would have maybe focused the show more on wrestling instead of 35 minutes of people hitting each other with shit. Um <laughs> it, it was I fine. I spit out my drink. <laughs> it was fine it was a short little good match between the two obviously this continues the feud with brian and gulak versus uh whatever the hell Sami Zayn's group of misfits is called at the moment i can't even think of their fucking gimmick name the artist collective because it sucks <laughs> i was gonna say is it some kind of international thing it's like i'm canadian and he's irish and I think they call it the Sammy family or the Zane family, you know, just a little uh, tip of the hat, if you will. The Zaniacs. They the just Zaniacs. Dress like, and they just dress like Hulk Hogan. God. <laughs> it's a fucking better idea than the artist collective. It's fucking, yeah, I don't like, know what the hell that is. Like Seamus doesn't come off it like not Seamus. Nakamura is the artist, I guess, but the rest of them don't really come off like art guys. Sammy comes off like a guy that uh, tells you about a punk band he saw at 92 a lot at a bar. <laughs> hey, uh, Chris, have you heard the new Bound Sebastian, the Artist Collective? It's a great album. <laughs> oh, I heard they were touring with Spill Canvas next year. God damn it. Uh, yeah. All right, so uh, we go to the first match. Um, I thought these ladies kicked the shit out of each other between Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross and the Kabuki Warriors. Obviously, I just wasn't a fan of the outcome of the match uh, with the ending. Uh, this was, I, I'll say, like, it was basically a standard match that you would see on Raw SmackDown turn up a bit, I would say, but nothing to, to write home about. Uh, but like I said, these ladies kicked the crap out of each other. I just want to know what possessed Nikki, and not that I'm complaining, Nikki's, whatever she wants to do, like, to rip off the vest. Like, it was kind of a weird, awkward moment. Um, but most of the parts, you know, I I can't remember exact things outside of that, but I remember it being competitive, hard-hitting, good good shit. I, you know, it's fine. Chris, how'd you feel about this match? They really did take the titles off the Kabuki Warriors. That's... Yeah. Okay, so we can we just dec- declare this tag division dead? This oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, you know, the match itself was fine. Maybe we get the Kerry Zane Oscar feud. That's that's the best thing I can take out of the fucking thing. 
Um, and that moment was really weird. Like, there's no crowd there. She's like, I'm going to rip this vest off. I'm like, whoa, calm down. Calm down. Um, no, nah, I mean, there were some good moments in the match. I mean, Carrie Zane and Asuka, I'll say this. They sounded like there was a crowd of like 2,000 people there just because of how fucking loud the Kabuki Warriors were the entire match. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which was great. And maybe it's because they're like yelling in Japanese that it doesn't bother me as much as like uh, s- some other moments and when there's no crowd or whatever. But it, it they're really good. <laughs> it turns out Asuka and Gary Zane are really good performers, Dan. Weird. Who would know? Who would fucking know? Ah, here's a match I really just don't give a shit about. Um, I think I went and did my taxes uh, for the next two years while this was going on. Uh, Elias went against King Corbin, and he beat him. You're right, Chris. You're right with your prediction. Um, so Corbin said that Elias wasn't going to compete and demanded a forfeit, but Elias showed up anyways. The referee saw Corbin. Try to pin Elias with his feet on the ropes, allowing Elias to win with a roll-up with a handful of tights. So cheating is good for for I don't I don't fucking care. I'm sorry. This is one of them. They could have clipped this off. They could have. Uh, I'm just yeah. Well, how'd you, how'd you like this match? I mean, I'm gonna go ahead and say that I agree with Brian Alvarez on this. Why the fuck is the babyface attacking a guy with a guitar and then winning via roll-up? against Corbin <laughs> like it's Corbin a cool baby face Ugh. is he it's Elias a cool baby face. <laughs> one time he had some popularity but no he's not he's fucking awful I mean yeah when he was uh one of Shane's lackeys I think people appreciated him as one of Shane's lackeys but I never thought he was like elevated I mean they had fucking Rusev in the entire crowd chanting rusev day and they decided to go with elias as a heel turned baby face and bear you do you see the logic here and how it falters no i don't see the logic here it makes me want to bash my face with a brick (laughs) jesus but uh it was what i thought it was going to be i did not expect a roll-up pin finish i just figured elias would hit him with the guitar get the win and they would move on but i guess they're going to continue this feud so you guys, you guys be prepared for more fucking Elias and Corbin in the future. Oh, Jesus. All right, we, we went on to a match that I thought was actually pretty good, just a little bit shorter. You know, if you clipped off the match previous, maybe you could add it time to uh, certain other matches or whatever. We had the Raw Women's Championship match, Becky Lynch and Shayna Baszler. I will say right to start off, semi-trucks are not cool, okay? I'm, I'm sorry, Hulk Hogan. I'm sorry, <laughs> Becky. To tell you that that is it, uh, that's the only two people I can think of that, that have done that. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know, if, if you have a monster truck, that's cool. If you have a Lamborghini, that's cool. If you have so many other things, but if you come up with a fucking track or a, a semi, I just don't, whatever. It had nothing to do with the match. But... Is, is Becky, was it a shout out to the truckers that are having to work through this inconvenient time? Is that what they're trying to do? Like, no, 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 she's the man. That, that's it. She's so cool. So she's a fucking a person that's from Ireland that drives a truck part time when she's not working for WWE. Also, do you think that she's the one who delivered all the ring gear? She's just driving WWE's truck. Oh my god, she's delivered everything. <laughs> like, the fuck was that? Like, 
they don't understand that the reason when Stone Cold showed up and drove shit, it was cool because it was Stone Cold, not because the stuff he was driving was cool. And he drove it inside the fucking arena and almost hit people <laughs> yeah. several times on the way there. <laughs> While drinking beer. <laughs> God damn it. But, um, yeah, what was I going to say about this? Um, I just thought, especially compared to, and we'll talk about with the other singles championship match, that it was, it just needed uh, time between the two of them. But I thought that Shanna Baszler and Becky performed really well in this. Um, I just was kind of shocked with the ending, but we kind of talked about it, how it makes sense to keep the belt on Lynch and maybe, you know, due to her, it, it looks like at least with, um, either Raw or SmackDown, wherever Shayna did her, you know, oh yeah, it would be Raw because it was Raw Women's titles where she had her promo. They're going to, they're going to keep on going with this, I'm assuming, but yeah, um, you know, she uh, countered the Karafuda clutch into a pin, and she retained the championship. It seemed like Becky's best way with these MMA ladies is to try to get a quick roll-up and get the fuck out of there, which, hey, you got to do what you got to do. But, yeah, this match was fine. I, I'll, I'll give it that. What did you think, Chris? She's supposed to be the fucking last kicker, though, and she's winning via roll-up all the time. I, I agree. I do agree. Fucking, I mean, I get it on the off chance. And you know what? The, I think the thing that infuriated me the most about the finish is not who won or how the match, match turned out. It's that she gets the roll-up pin, and then Shayna just kind of releases the hold. Shayna's supposed to be a fucking heel. Why'd she not rip Becky's head off? Like, why did she let go of it? She shouldn't care that the match is over. She's already lost at that point. She's get, she, This is the same person who bit tried to bite Becky's neck off legitimately and she just lets go after the roll up like oh I lost fuck and then that's the end of it like I don't know I I don't know how if you're going to try to build the feud then she should have seriously injured in quotations Becky after that finish and and then her whole heel promo should be like yeah you won but did you really win kind of thing and then you build to a submission match or something you know becky's finisher is the disarmer you book the fucking submission match this shit's not that hard day it it's really not that hard but the match itself it was for me for me i thought it was one of the better matches of the night i there's not really much to say about it, it was better than i actually expected if i'm being completely honest outside of the finish which i thought was fucking weird and the semi-truck thing which you reminded me of <laughs> i think i had blacked out blocked that out of my mind so dumb. <laughs> Yeah, um, and and this is where the trajectory, besides one fucking short ass championship match, at least for me, this the first night actually I think had a lot of good um, matches. The next one I was a bit not underwhelmed. I just put too much I guess into my aspects now and didn't base it on I guess how they're booking Sami Zayn. But we had the IC Championship match, Sami Zayn going against Daniel Bryan and. Uh, Instead of really doing an offensive, badass, striking match, we got that for a little while when Daniel Bryan kind of pissed off Sammy within the match. I just wish that we got more of it. It was kind of more of a a story played out where he was pulling chicken shit heel stuff and Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura were kind of blocking him until all of them got taken out uh, by Drew Gulak, actually, uh, which would kind of play into it. Um and how Zayn got the pin over Daniel Bryan later on. But, um, yeah, I, I, I like the hard-hitting stuff. I like the the chasing. Uh, you know, Sammy's an extremely good heel, but 
I guess I just wanted a Ring of Honor match, and I don't know why the hell I, I kind of thought that that was going to happen. But the, the interaction of, you know, Daniel Bryan, it was mostly dominance on his end uh, with a little bit of give back from, from Sammy when he had to. But uh, Bryan tried to come back into the ring off the top rope and got kicked in the face, and Zayn pinned him. Uh, interesting way to end it. It just basically looked like he just tried to kick him in any type of standard um, – you know, top rope uh, counter, but the way that he did it, uh, Cor- or not Corey Graves, um, Michael Cole was saying he, he did some variation of the Huluva kick. Okay, that's fine, whatever. Um, I did not think this was going to happen, but they're keeping it on Sammy. Uh, I guess I should say, Chris, it seems to me that Sammy has significantly changed his style. He's been wrestling less and less. Is there an underlying injury that we don't know, which is the reason why he's not competing like he did? Shit, even if he didn't have that much time like a year and a half ago or even a year ago, it seemed like Sammy would do a lot more. It seems like they're kind of positioning him, like I said, more of like, which is crazy because WWE usually doesn't like managers, as like a Bobby Heenan, just a heel manager uh, that's doing chicken chicken shit shit like this. Uh, I know that you... One of this, I think, to be a match like I was kind of envisioning, uh, were you let down by the match? I'm going to start it out by saying I think every like everyone involved in the match did a really good job for what they asked them to do. I just didn't give a shit about the storyline at all. So that drug it down. And I really was hoping that Gulak, after the Cesaro finish, would have taken them out and you just get Daniel Bryan versus Sami Zayn in an actual match. Uh, as far as an underlying injury... I mean that has that mean that means I have to put a lot of faith in WWE giving a shit about people's health uh, <laughs> and like not just booking Sammy very shitty. So I'm just gonna say they're probably just booking Sammy Zayn very shitty. I'm gonna go with that, or they just wouldn't have him in this match. I mean it wasn't like he wasn't doing anything in the ring. Um, if they did, you know, if they did something similar to what they've done in the past with older stars like you know, Sean or Austin, when they came back, it's just like, Oh, one move and that's it. And they're out. Or like Mick Foley, I oh, pulled the sock out. That's the thing. That's not what they're doing with Sami Zayn. I think this is just what their idea of what Sami Zayn should be, which is very fucking disappointing to look at one of the best wrestlers on their roster. And, and think about the fact that El Generico versus the American dragon could have been such a fucking awesome match. And they gave us that. I will say that they performed very well, but you can only do so much with the storyline you're given uh, to some to some extent. I agree completely. Um, yep. All right, another match. This is a really good match. It's just uh, we had a triple threat ladder match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Already weird just by the fact that they're doing a singles match with all three teams you know, going for the tag team championships. Um, but it was John Morrison going against Kofi Kingston and Jimmy Uso. All right, just without the audience there, hearing the impact of human flesh, bones, stuff like that on ladder, knowing that they're not doing it for an audience, knowing that the audience would cause these guys, like the adrenaline would be going and they would be, at least as of right then during the match, feeling less of the impact uh, because your adrenaline's going. Um, there was a great breakdown 
on the newest Wrestling Inc. where um, Matt Morgan was really going into how much the audience and feeding off of them spikes your adrenaline and makes you, you know, work through stuff. Not saying that's the best thing, you know, working through an injury basically and throwing it to a ladder, but these guys beat the shit out of each other. I think my favorite spot was uh, John Morrison, and it took a lot of balance from Kofi Kingston too, where John tightroped down um, one side of the ropes, grabbed Kofi, and did the Spanish fly to him. But that was fucking awesome. But just a lot of (laughs) – there was a part where Jay Uso, or Jimmy Uso, I should say, was just talking shit to Kofi, and he's like, yeah, boy, yeah, Kofi, I slapped your face like a pancake. And like just the, just the shit talk, a lot of that stuff was pretty awesome. <laughs> um, I love all three of these guys. I think that they're they're you know great, um, and they beat the shit out of each other for our enjoyment. I like the ending; it was very creative. How John Morrison, you know, all of them were fighting over the hook that had the belts on it, and right before he fell on the ladder, you know, uh, beneath him, John Morrison just grabbed the two straps off of it, and you know they ended up winning. Uh, interesting way to do it, and it looks like it's still going to be these three tag teams going forward from what happened last night. But, you know, I commend these guys for kicking the shit out of each other, given the circumstance. It was a pretty good ladder match and probably one of the better matches on the card of both nights, in my opinion. Chris, what would you think? I, I agree with you to some extent. I think it was one of the better matches on Mania as a whole. It, the match itself was fine. Some of the build-up to the match was really crazy. Like, didn't they told us that <laughs> the Miz got injured on SmackDown, and then they showed a highlight where the Miz was like one of the only people standing up after that ending. <laughs> like, some of that shit's just like you had you were you pre-recorded this. You could have just said he was sick. Like. I don't. So that that piece of it was weird, but the match itself was good. You know, like as much as I love Kofi, I feel like Big E in the spot probably would have been a little better here. For whatever reason, having that like big guy to work around. And I think we kind of talked about this last week that Big E wouldn't necessarily be the worst choice to have like a big guy thrown into the match. Um, But, you know. For what they did, I thought it was great. The Spanish fly spot with John Morrison was absolutely insane. I kind of liked the finish, but also every time you kind of like a finish in WWE doing something where it's like, well, he dropped the titles, but he was the last person to touch them. It almost comes like an NFL rule thing, and then they try to do it like a bazillion <laughs> times. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if his feet were all the way in bounds kind of thing, or like, uh, was like Brock won the cage match because he landed outside of it when Roman Reigns speared him through it or whatever like when they start getting too cutesy with that shit it uh it makes me nervous that they're going to try to do it like seven more times more than anything else yeah I could definitely see that trying to up the uh, stakes even more so by by uh kind of looking into the rules and finding loopholes yeah I I definitely could see that um the next match, uh, I will say, I'm trying to think. Well, out of wrestling, I think there's one match that tops this, in my opinion, and that will be on the next night, probably the highlight of the second night for me. But as far as after that, you know, it kind of turned into a hardcore match. I really like this match between Seth Rollins and uh, Kevin Owens. I actually really like the way that they set it up. 
of it was a normal match. And of course, Seth was being a chicken shit. He doesn't want to tarnish his record. So he disqualifies and gives the gives a sympathy win to Kevin Owens, who he's been, you know, proclaiming has not had a good moment at WrestleMania thus far. So it's kind of one of those dick mentality because he's also just being a pussy and doesn't want to actually fight, you know, fully fight Kevin Owens. So he hit him with the uh, ring bell. Shortly, actually not shortly, they they had a pretty decently length match beforehand when that happens. And then afterwards, Kevin Owens gets on the microphone and goes, oh no, this is not ending like this. He goes, you get your ass back here. You know, if you're going to actually beat me, you're going to beat me. And how about we do it? You know, no DQ. Now, there's not a lot of motivation for Seth to go into that scenario besides cockiness. But we have seen that Seth is like that. So I like that. And then the two guys just beat the living fuck out of each other. And once again, I hate to keep on comparing this, but in the short amount of time that they had, if you will, quote unquote, hardcore aspects, this match, it was a fuckload more entertaining uh, with the little amount of stuff, including KO doing a huge elbow drop off that giant sign through Seth Rollins and the announce table. It's just like Ciampa and, and Gargano. I just I, this was more entertaining than what we got in that huge edge and Orton match. Uh, that was pretty disappointing, <laughs> pretty fucking disappointing. But Kevin Owens, you know, him and Seth beat the shit out of each other. Um, someone asked Matt Morgan on that Wrestling Inc. show, and they were like, can you make that noise? Like, how do you make the noise that Seth Rollins was making? And he's like, you get your fucking wind knocked out of you. He goes, that's that's the sound of that. You know, if, if he's really that good of an actor, maybe he's doing that. But Kevin gets some air, and then you have this giant dude coming flying down on you with an elbow drop to the chest. Both guys look like they were fucking destroyed. And, uh, yeah, Kevin Owens got the win. I, I really like this match. It was one of my favorite matches on Mania. Um, this did it for me uh, compared to some of the other matches we'll talk about. How'd you like it, Chris? One of my favorite matches as well. I was so happy they did the restart because I thought they were just going to give us that fuck finish at first. <laughs> I would have been so fucking pissed. I was right there with you, dude. <laughs> so they got me with that one and I'm very appreciative that they took the time to do that little twist and then the match really picked up in that second half and uh, yeah Kevin Owens is fucking great I don't know where he's going to go after this because it's not like he can go straight and uh, wrestle their top babyface Drew McIntyre so I don't know where this puts him or Seth I mean are they just going to they can't continue this feud it's been going for like four months you got to find something for Kevin Owens to do and Seth to do now Yep, and Seth was not happy on Raw. He just decimated someone, didn't really say much. But we'll uh, find out where this is going to go, if, if, if the guys are going to continue to fuel each other or if they're going to kind of, like, separate them now. But um, it was uh, – it was it was uh, <laughs> how about this for a WrestleMania moment? Just fucking runs off the sign, fucking elbow drop. I love Kevin Owens. He's one of the best. And like I said, him and Seth just beat the shit out of each other. So I really appreciated that. Was this better than him doing that weird uh, senton flip off of the half pipe? Because that's been my I don't know, man. Kevin. That was that was awesome. <laughs> I love. I love how he just talks shit right before that. He's like, "Catch this, bitch!" and like, you know, just does something like that. Like, <laughs> I love. I just love that someone mashed that up with that uh, Superman from the first Tony Hawk game, <laughs> and then put a score underneath <laughs> it. Uh, awesome. That was fucking great. This that spot was crazy, and uh, yeah, you know what, Seth, and considering there's no crowd there, 
it was a very very entertaining match and it was an odq match that was they should have gave 10 more minutes to that match as opposed to the hundred thousand minutes they gave to edge and orton yep all right and uh the next match was just i just all right so here's a little bit of insight um about this with bill fucking goldberg that we found out bill goldberg pulled creative control over his character and because he's a superhero with the kids what kids i'm the kid that would have fucking liked you chris is the kid that thought you were a hero bill (laughs) i'm just saying (laughs) age bracket there's no young kids that are like i love bill goldberg so i just don't get it so he basically kiboshed you know and kind of got them in the situation so that he would win the title from bray wyatt and that's and apparently uh from what i hear uh i forgot what wrestler was saying this bray might not have given the reason why the fucking jackhammer did not look good is because bray didn't like he went up heavy, basically. He made Bill Goldberg do all the work because uh, he was pissed about it. And uh, this was a situation where Roman was going to take it off of Bill. But apparently Bill's pissed off WWE from this whole entire transition. And that's why they had Braun basically squash him uh, in Goldberg fashion. After he took a couple of spears, it took four power slams uh, for Braun Strowman to defeat Goldberg. I don't think you're going to see Bill Goldberg anytime soon. Maybe at a Saudi Arabia show. But apparently he's not – He's not. he didn't make WWE happy with this last run. Um, and if that's true, hey, that fucking sucks that they, that they catered towards his fucking ego of him being the hero for the kids uh, to put down one of their biggest acts with The Fiend. Really fucking stupid. If it is true that, that, that Bray wouldn't put his legs up, wouldn't give you know, the effort on his side for the jackhammer, good. Fuck it. I hope we don't see Goldberg anytime soon. Never was a Goldberg fan. I'm not trying to bury him. If you like him, awesome. Um, you know, just not for me. And if Braun Strowman's the big show, so it just makes sense. Take it off, put it against him. It looks like we're going to go against Braun and Bray coming soon. So I don't know why you do that since you got the title off of Bray. Just keep it off him. But it looks like they're going to put it right back on him. But I don't know. Uh, what do you, what did you think about this like five minute match? The match itself I thought was fine. It was just a carbon copy of the Lesnar Braun match. Do you remember that match? Just very similar, like almost yeah. move for move essentially, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it was short. It was what it was. I didn't know about all of the Goldberg stuff that you're saying now, but it completely makes fucking sense based on. <laughs> everything we know and have heard about Goldberg in the past. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, Maybe listen to some Chris Jericho uh, interviews if you guys want to dive deeper into that. But uh, he's a superhero to his kid? Wasn't that the whole thing as he came back to wrestling for his kid? To I'm be a superhero a to the kids. But it was like, it was just like his kid. <laughs> like, who? I mean, Roman is a superhero to the kids today, right? So if you're, you know, I don't know, like, who gives a shit? Roman couldn't be there, so it fucked their plan, and this is the match they had. Now we get Bray versus Braun, which is what I was worried about, because <clears throat> we're going to talk about it here in a bit. We're going to get a lot of those Firefly fucking Funhouse-type matches, which I'm not looking forward to, especially because uh, Braun was in the fucking Wyatt family at one point. 
And they did allude to their past last night with him being one of his minions. So, yeah. All right. So here's a match that uh, it's very interesting to talk about uh, because I think at the time when we both watched it, I think me and Chris kind of had different views, I would say, on the Boneyard match with The Undertaker and AJ Styles. Um, I don't think... I I will say... I will say before we start, I did rewatch it and I liked it better the second time, especially after watching the Firefly Funhouse thing. So I'm going to take back a little bit of the heat I was putting on this match originally. I will say, um, I mean, this is a well done action uh, scene. Uh, and obviously they had to do it in a very timely manner to get it done. But uh, interesting way of doing it. I'm not going to say, because I watched I watched, I, I watched, this the second time, Chris, on Sunday during the daytime, before we even saw the, uh, the Bray Wyatt, um, the Firefly Funhouse with uh, John Cena, which was a giant segment. It was not a match. This wasn't a match either, but it was more of a match than that one. Um, it's gotten a lot of praise from a lot of people. Heck, even Jim Cornette said it wasn't a wrestling match, but it was good for an action segment. Uh, but he wasn't going to like, you know, kind of like what I'm saying, it's, it's this. I watched the Ultimate Deletion. I watched Deletion versus Decay. I watched the Bray Wyatt versus um, New Day. I watched pretty much any type of cinematic thing like this. I like these, but you're going to have to do these sparingly. And like I said, we got a lot of stuff related to that in a you know short amount of time. So if this is going to be a way, because I heard that there's rumors that Undertaker now wants to be this version of The Undertaker. He wants to be the dead man, but also have that American badass so he can talk shit. If this is what they want to do, and this is what a lot of people have been speculating, to create longevity for Undertaker, for here and out, uh, for WrestleMania purposes, to have some type of thing like this, you know, there's a that's a way of getting around his age. You look like a badass in this. Um, I would have picked different Metallica, personally. Like I would have had him show up, <laughs> you know, it's nothing and, and new, new Metallica. It's, it's, it's trying to tribute, I guess the old stuff, but it just comes off very repetitive. And I like that they try to go back to their old ways, but it, I don't know to me, have him come out and ride the lightning or four horsemen and have the ending where he buries AJ. You just hear from whom the bell tolls start off in the background. That would have been where I would have gone with it, but that's a minor edit. These guys, they, it, it was a cool action scene. It was. And I liked all the shit talk that, that Undertaker did. Um, I liked that AJ wasn't backing down. I don't think... Originally, Undertaker said he wanted to work with, with AJ because he hasn't had a chance to work with them. Things were going to have a match, and it was really supposed to be where AJ was going to you know, get a lot of, out of Undertaker. But they kind of went in this, this direction. Um, man, if you go back and watch the Buried Alive match, that's a fucking hard match to watch. Um, and even though it's a cinematic, this was a lot easier. The music helped. Gals and Anderson looked like stupid guys. There was druids. There was a lot of dumb aspects of this. A lot of callbacks, but a lot of fun stuff at the same time. Um, at one time, we, I really thought AJ was going to win. That Undertaker, he might have teleported, or AJ might have taken too long, and then he was behind him. He fucking teleported. Who gives a shit? He's the Undertaker. And Undertaker gets the best of him, and it kind of... You know, what you were kind of talking about with, uh, I forgot which segment, maybe it was, um, oh, it was, I think, what they were doing with uh, Lance Archer. You know, this kind of, in certain aspects, it was 
um, it was like an 80s action fighting movie, like, um, what the fuck, Roadhouse. And then the aspects kind of turned a little bit into Rob Zombie, Rob Zombie kind of horror-ish, where AJ's pretty fucked up. He's getting dragged around. Undertaker's just talking shit. It's like, you fought so good, man. You fought so good. And then he throws him in the hole, obviously, buries him. So I don't know what this is going to do to AJ. I don't, I don't want this to happen a lot. I, I would, if you're going to, if you're going to do this, if he's now like this, you're taking out the Undertaker theme. I don't know if you'll ever go back to it. I would hope that if he's going to have a quote unquote last match, it would be just a normal spectacle. But if this is going to be a way to help out Undertaker's longevity going forward as this new, I'll just call him, you know, uh, just, just a hybrid, if you will, between the biker and the dead man. Um, cool. Uh, what happened to AJ? Is he dead? And like I said, within all this, <laughs> storyline-wise, is this going to change AJ's character whenever he shows back up? Because he was buried alive, um, and I'm assuming Gallows and Anderson grabbed him right afterwards. But the segment, Chris, um, would you like to see them just do an action movie, even if it was WWE Studios, just straight up like this with The Undertaker just beating the shit out of people? Yes. <laughs> I think that would be awesome. Um, so I was down on this to begin with. And like I said, I think the second time I watched it, I kind of enjoyed it a little bit more. They didn't set a good tone by that being the Metallica song they picked, even out of the new Metallica. I mean, it's a nitpicky, but <laughs> it's fucking Undertaker. Like from whom the bell tolls with his bell probably would have made more sense. I, I'm totally there with you on that. Um that would be I, fucking awesome. And then fucking uh, AJ was great in this entire thing. So AJ can act. So now they can give him his own show on Netflix when he's done wrestling, I guess. <laughs> like the big show. Um, no, I, I mean, I think I enjoyed it more the second time around and kind of tried to look at it from a different view of like, okay, well, this is what they're probably going to do with Undertaker going forward. People love seeing Undertaker. For what it was, it was fun. AJ, I broke my freaking finger, was great. Uh, <laughs> or whatever, when he was yelling about his finger or whatever. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was an Undertaker match. It was a lot better than uh, the Edge and Orton match and the Firefly Funhouse match. <laughs> so, there's that. Um, I will say, if it's me... You just basically killed AJ on your biggest pay-per-view. Maybe you have him come back with one of the New Japan masks on and uh, play a very different version of AJ and build up a rematch. Well, he is a fan of someone I'm about to bring bring up. A lot of people have speculated uh, since then. This is kind of stupid, but I'm just going to cater towards uh, people bringing this up when it comes to the idea of this style match, the, the boneyard match or whatever. Yeah. Mick Foley. I love Mick Foley. Mick Foley tweeting very much after it. Mr. McMahon, can I please be a part of the boneyard match next WrestleMania? Um, just mix, mix fucking great. I'm not, I'm not looking, looking for that, but if they decide to do this again, next WrestleMania with the undertaker and have some type of segment, do you think this is a good chance that we could do maybe sting versus the undertaker? realistically in this type of sense since there's no way you'll be able to get anything like that in the ring uh man yeah i guess but like 
Ugh. Can I, I just want to keep Taker and Sting just fantasy books in my mind forever. I think they missed the missed the boat on that opportunity. Fair enough. Maybe like 15 years ago, they missed the boat on that opportunity. I mean, if they did something like this, maybe it could be fun. Like you do the Joker Sting thing. Maybe. All right, I'll, I'll propose it like this. Would you rather them have a match like this or have a match in Saudi Arabia requested by the Prince? <laughs> I would much rather them have a match like this. Are they going to do a Boneyard Desert match? Because if that's what they're going to do, then <laughs> I want to see the Boneyard Boneyard Desert match on what, what was the mountain called they named that trophy off of? Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> I can't remember right now, but it, it the match just ends with Undertaker throwing Sting off the mountain, basically. I mean, the thing is, is like WWE basically buried Sting when he was there. Yeah. And like in my mind, Sting is a fucking this badass blonde-haired maniac that was fucking up Big Van Vader. And then, in WWE's mind, Sting's just a dude who lost the wrestling war. So, I I would hate to see what they would do with Sting in one of these matches. Whereas, like, at least with AJ, I think they might do something with his character, even if it's just next time Undertaker comes around. Like, there's a darker side of AJ. Kind of like what they did with Sean after Sean lost that first match. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I like it. Um, yeah, but interesting stuff. You know, like I said, I just need a lack. After the Matt Hardy, I, I don't know if that's next week, or after Delete versus Elite or whatever, Jericho and Matt Hardy on the compound, I can do out do without cinematics for a minute. Um, but let's go. <laughs> let's go after we, tonight, too. What were you going to say? I was. Do we just blame this all on Matt Hardy's final deletion at this point? I mean, I, I would – and the thing is, he was really happy because a lot of people were praising him after that of being the influence on stuff like this happening after the Boneyard match. Um, technically, yeah, but I mean – He had an actual ring in a boat named Skarsgård that was dilapidated. So. Remember, in the in the early 90s, there were segments, Indiana Jones style, of Jake Roberts making Ultimate Warrior go down caverns with snakes in them and then getting stung or bitten by a cobra at the end of it. So yeah. we've, we've done silly shit in segments. Oh, the Legion of Doom, and the water's not hot, you know? It's not hot. There's no Hulkamaniacs here, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so we need Kevin Sullivan in one of these things. That would be awesome. Hopefully he's going to like show up as like the exalted one's dad or something. <laughs> I'm the exalted and look exactly like his creepy uh his his, his quote unquote dad with the crusty ass <laughs> eyebrows and shit. Yeah. Oh god. Hope- uh. <laughs> what's Hugh Morris doing? I know he's not training for WWE anymore cuz it turns out he was kind of an asshole. I don't know, be- beating college students, I guess. Uh maybe he's hazing them. I, I have no idea. <laughs> They can they can bring him in as humorous again. Get it humorous or, or general general erection. General erection. erection. Get it? Yeah, yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. WCW. <laughs> well, you know what was not pretty good. I think was night two compared to night one. Um, so let's talk about some of those matches. I just felt a lot of this stuff was very uneven, but. What are you going to do? We had a kickoff match, very short. I'm not really going to go into it too much. Liv Morgan defeated Natalia. It was pretty good. 
I'm assuming since Italia kind of apparently took Liv under her wing, um, she's been showing her a lot more wrestling stuff. This is something that they practice as a routine and very nice of Natty to put Liv over. Uh, do you have any statements before I move on to the main show, Chris, of that match? I think it's really weird. They always say that Natalia took someone under their wing and was like the super sweet person who helped them out. But then on Total Divas, they're like, she's a complete bitch. Like, I don't know if you watch Total Divas or not, but yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's like her heel character in Total Divas is like better than her actual character in wrestling, which is fucking weird. Uh, Match itself was fine. I want to see what they do with Liv Morgan because I think she's gotten better in the ring and, uh, I mean, I don't really care about the look change. It didn't really do anything for me, but at least they're trying to give someone didn't do fresh. anything. And I think at least they're trying to give give her a fresh push. Like, I mean, whether she has a blue tongue or not, Dane, she's still Liv Morgan. Like, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I mean, that's a very good point. All right, so then we go to the actual first match on night two, and this is what I was talking about. To me, this is the best wrestling-based match between Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. Um... I thought both ladies looked like stars in this. I thought they had an excellent wrestling match. Uh, Rhea is very good for her, you know, for her age. She's like 23 years old. And to be able to have a pretty, pretty awesome showing with Charlotte. Yes, Charlotte won. And I did like the transition between Rhea getting her in that Texas Cloverleaf, um, the standing one. And then, of course, uh, Charlotte kind of got out of it and then got in the uh, figure eight. And Rhea stuck in for a while before she decided to, um, you know, tap out. I don't, and we kind of talked about this, could this happen? And it was kind of like, well, if Becky beats, maybe Charlotte will beat Rhea. And it seems to me, um, if we're to go by everything, I think Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler, or not Shayna Baszler, she was already pulled up. But I think that uh, her and Bianca Belair are officially part of whatever um, Raw or SmackDown, whatever one that they were representing. Um, I think they're both Raw, actually. I just hope that they don't just pair Bianca Belair with the fucking Street Profits. That would be stupid. She has so much potential outside of that. But Charlotte going against a multitude of females, wanting to work with them, well, not, probably not a multitude, but having some type of feuds and some matches with some of the girls within NXT... Uh, especially the one who won the ladder match. We're going to have a match with Io Shirai and Charlotte for the title. It kind of makes sense. Uh, I don't, I can't think that Charlotte brings a lot of eyes to product. Uh, I would say more so than Finn, but I, you know, Finn didn't do it too much. Um, and maybe it's, this is just a way to get Charlotte to have some great matches with a lot of the ladies and work with them. And I, I, I'm assuming Rhea might stay on the main product. If not, she should be the one that takes it off of Charlotte, I would say, in the future. I think it should go back to her, maybe have a series of matches ending Charlotte's run with NXT, however long that may be, and however long they can continue to do programming. Obviously, the UK's NXT shutdown will go into the whole entire Cruiserweight tournament because of that. Um, so none of those wrestlers are going to be doing anything, um, you know, as at least a, a part of WWE, you know. So... It's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Rhea's biggest thing was the reason why she had to lose is because she has a working visa with Australia and it was about to be up. So she had to go back and they're not going to be allowing anyone to leave Australia uh, once they come in. So it seems like they were kind of forced uh, and that originally it might have been Rhea winning that. But 
due to situation, yada, yada, yada. Can they make a good thing out of this? I know a lot of people are pissed that Charlotte won, but she's a fucking queen. And towards the end, even though me and you thought Rhea was going to win, I got a nice little message, text message from uh, Chris that was just woo, you know, in all caps. So fucking the queen won. <laughs> I, I thought this was a really damn good match, but um, how, how did you like this match, Chris? I think this was the best wrestling match of both nights. I'll just say that Agreed. straight out. I, I thought it was fucking, it, it was as good as we thought it was going to be. And uh, it highlighted Rhea Ripley in a lot of ways and, and kind of, to me, she hadn't really had that standout match in NXT, and this is one that she can kind of hang her hat on as a huge moment that was a really good match, probably the, the show stealer. Um, as far as just a wrestling match goes, I, I mean, I can't debate with people on whether, you know, the Boneyard match was better because that wasn't really a wrestling match or, you know, that, that just comes down to opinions on whether you like that. But as far as, like, just a fucking in-ring wrestling match, this is by far the best thing on, on either night. And uh, I wanted Rhea to win it, and I would have been completely fine if she won it and then Charlotte challenged her in NXT or whatever. Uh, I guess the thought is Rhea will win it back in NXT. That would be my guess. Because <laughs> otherwise, you just brought her up to the main roster after taking a huge loss to Charlotte. So her stock's going to be a, a bit diminished there. So I'm assuming that they're going to do a rematch on NXT or... And then maybe, you know, Rhea drops it afterwards and they continue to feed from there. But that, I mean, that would be my guess as far as where they're going to go. But props to, to both of these female athletes. That was a fucking phenomenal match. Even if I wasn't a huge fan of the finish, still a huge Charlotte mark. So, yeah, you definitely got the woo for me after the match was over. <laughs> yep, I agree. All right. So we had a match with Alistair Black going against Bobby Lashley. So, um, you know, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. If, if you look back what I said with the predictions, I said either they're going to use some of the grappling maneuvers Bobby has, you know, figured out via MMA experience and let him and Alistair kind of like, you know, do a little more, do a little more wrestling, grapple holds, strikes. It was just Bobby Lashley was this big old, you know, tank. And uh, eventually he got, he was going to go for a spear, and I was like, all right, Black Mask, boom, it happens. And Bobby Lashley goes down. Aleister Black gets a win. This was fine. This really, honestly, was unnecessary. There, I'm not going to even say that there could have been a better opponent. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to say that. There could have been a better opponent. And I'm sorry, but this doesn't really do anything for Bobby anyways, because now he got interviewed afterwards. Lana's the one who told him to do the spear instead of the power slam. And he said, maybe I need a new manager or even a new wife before she came over there. I have no idea where they're going with, with this. I really don't give a fuck. But, you know, like I said, a little banger with Buddy Murphy and Aleister Black, I think, would have been a hell of a lot more entertaining. Or, like I said to you, Chris, just say screw it. Who cares, you know, based on what you guys are going through, just have SmackDown versus Raw. Just do Aleister Black versus Shinsuke Nakamura or something like that. Like, that would have been a cool way to include both of these guys. But... Whatever, whatever. Uh, I want to see him and Samoa Joe have a program together. Him and Alistair would be awesome. But what did you think about this? Squash, if you will. It was exactly what we thought it was going to be. With the only caveat being they're already breaking up Lana and Lashley. <laughs> That's what I get out of it. 
Yeah, so we're going to get sorry, rid of that. Sorry, my, uh, my phone cut out there for a second. Uh, the match itself was fine for a squash match. And, uh, I mean, it's a good win for Alistair. Yep. No, I agree with that. Um, so we had Otis going against Dolph Ziggler for the affection of Mandy Rose. So Sonya Deville accompanied Ziggler. I, where is the motivation for Sonya Deville to help Ziggler, who's acted like a complete shotch and even offered to show nudie pictures to Otis to piss him off as, like, leverage to be a dick? Like, why would she want her friend to go out with this dick bag instead of Otis, who actually likes her and is nice to her? This, this whole entire thing, is, it's got those angles of, like, you know, the fat person or the person that's less attractive can be. The WWE likes to fucking do all the goddamn time. Um, you know, we had this not too long ago with Nia Jax against Alexa Bliss and Mickey James. Um, it just, whatever. But the storyline itself, they did a good job. This was cute match. Uh, at one point, uh, Sonya Deville uh, kind of got the rest distraction. Ziggler got him with a uh, low blow. Mandy Rose showed up and attacked Deville and rolled her into the ring. Um, which distracted the referee and allowed Rose to hit a low blow on Ziggler. Otis then hit the Caterpillar and pinned Ziggler after the match. Otis kissed Mandy and carried her away in his arms. This is where, yes, the end of the match afterwards, this is where it gets the funniest because I swear to God, it looked like, like uh, and I got a video replay on Uproxx. Yeah, it, it looks like uh, Mr. Otis is trying to get a little more kissy kiss with Mandy, uh, you know, but pretty funny. He's, he's, he's carrying her up the ramp and he's going, she's so hot. She's so beautiful. She's so beautiful. <laughs> like just, just, just hilarious stuff. This was, this was fun. This, that's what I'll say about it. I don't think it was anything. It was a good payoff, you know, and I didn't know if this was going to happen. You were kind of sure that Otis was going to have his moment. The audience, if they had an audience, would have gone fucking crazy for this. Yeah, that's why a lot of matches. That's why a lot of matches. It kind of sucks because you know that they they would have been held differently, even in me and your eyes, if they had the audience participation behind it. Yeah, I mean, if the audience was there, I think this would have been probably the most over moment on the show. This very happy Otis WrestleMania moment. Um. It is weird, the whole Shayna thing. Did we ever figure out who the fuck the Dr. Claw, so to speak, is Brian Alvarez called? Like, the guy who is, who's hacking? Are we still thinking this is Mustafa Ali? Uh, it, 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 the only reason it makes sense is because he's been a con for such a long time, and it's got, like, whenever the thing flashes, it looks like what he has on his, uh, his gear. Like, those lights that he has. I mean, uh, is the idea that I, all right, so my guess is that Bray and Braun end up just working together somehow, and then Mustafa Ali hacks the Funhouse. Because, like, who else is he going to hack? Everybody else is just kind of dudes <laughs> on SmackDown. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, was he going to hack, like, uh, Nakamura's surfboard or something? <laughs> like, everybody oh else God. is just... They, there's not anyone that has, like, an intense gimmick going on or one of these storylines maybe they'll build something interesting out of it but uh they kind of glossed over it which makes me think that they're just gonna forget about it <laughs> in comparison to what they were building but uh yeah i thought, I thought the match itself was fine um 
I I'm just I'm kind of tired of Dolph Ziggler and his character, and have been for a long time. Someone pointed out that Dolph Ziggler has been doing this character since 2008, like almost the same exact character. <laughs> He's and, the Nicolas Cage of fucking pro wrestlers. But in the meantime, like Chris Jericho's changed gimmicks like eight times. <laughs> Man, so, David Bowie. So next time, next time someone's like Dolph Ziggler's a great wrestler, I'm like, is he? <laughs> like he's okay. Um, yeah. So I, I'm kind of glad the feud's done. I don't know what they're going to do with Otis after this. Hopefully, him and Tucker can just get back and be a tag team. Maybe Mandy as a manager or something. That could be fun. Yeah, that that sounds good. All right, we had uh, the match that we've been looking forward to talking about this whole entire time. God, man, I I feel so bad for these guys because both of them kicked the shit out of each other throughout the course of this. But I mean, if you clean up, if you clean up about 15 minutes out of this match, it probably would have made it a lot tighter. It probably would have flowed better and worked a hell of a lot better. But they're the last man standing match with Edge going against Randy Orton. And they want to. I now know the whole entire breakdown and floor plan of the performance center, uh, from where the ring starts all the way through the fucking, you know, where they do the board meetings uh, to the back gym. Um, I'm gonna say this right now, for a lot of outlets that are complaining, and yes, I guess they could have gone back and edited it real quickly about. The scene where they're they're in they enter the gym and it's a very short scene and they're by some type of weight equipment and Randy Orton takes it and starts choking Edge with it and then throws Edge on the floor and goes on. A lot of people are bitching about the whole Christian Benoit thing. I get it, but I'm pretty sure they recorded all this beforehand and then this got released. I'm not gonna assume that everyone in WWE watched this documentary or knew that you know, it, this was going to be a big deal or brought up again. They prop basically, I don't think they meant anything of it. I think that that, I don't know, it's very over exaggerated by people. Was it in bad taste? Yes, but I don't think they even thought about it. Was it in uh, bad taste? I mean, people choke shit with and choke the shit out of each other with different things in wrestling all the time. Is it in bad taste because it hangs out in people's minds because there was just documentary about something that happened fucking, I don't know, what was it, 17 years ago at this point? Like, get the fuck over it. It, it. Agreed. He just grabbed something and choked a guy. That's wrestling. That shit happens all the time. Like, fucking, just a couple weeks ago, we saw a guy get choked with a fucking uh, camera cable. Like, is it only because it's a weight bench? Is that, was that the thing? Like, yeah. Like, fuck off. Like, I don't think it was in bad taste. It's just wrestling. It's just fucking wrestling. People got to grasp on shit to fucking exploit sometimes. And I, I understand what the reasoning, but yeah, I, I completely agree with what you just said. That didn't hurt this match. What hurt this match was bad pacing. Um, and if you look at, I'm sorry, if you look at Gargano and Ciampa, they do have a style that even though Ciampa, who's had to tame himself a bit and gone more brawling um, because of his neck, they just are fast, more fast paced about everything. And this was slow methodical and meandering like i said and finally at the top of the thing we had a part where edge had to put down orton and he looked very emotional and he gave him a concerto one two three like i said if if you would have tightened this up it could have been a hell of a lot better i don't know why they didn't think about it you know i i'm assuming 
Randy and Edge saw this, what they were going to put on the main thing uh, beforehand, because I feel like maybe they didn't. I don't know. I feel like they would have been like, all right, there's way too much footage. You know, I am assuming what they did was they filmed everything with the intent of they're going to come back and kind of edit it into a better pace match. And they didn't. They showed us the whole fucking thing. And they had multiple edits, you could tell, which is fine. So, but that means that they had a lot involved within it. So they could have made it shorter. And it doesn't matter if you use every fucking toy and contraption and show us everything. This is such a greatly built feud. And it just kind of fizzled out like a fucking fart in church. Chris, what do you think? Oh, man. This match was about 30 minutes too long. <laughs> That's the best way to, to put it. Um, I think I posted immediately after this match happened. Why why didn't they just have a match? They're both incredible in-ring athletes. They didn't need the gimmick for this match. I mean, I get, like, you know, Beth called an RKO or whatever, but, like, you could have just done what they did with Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins and had a no-DQ match in an actual ring and made it a lot shorter and it'd been a lot better. I don't think there's a way that like, even if you cut it, cut a bunch of shit out of this match, it was just two dudes walking around a hallway, hitting people with shit. It was very much like. And the commentary sucked. Commentary was terrible. I want to punch myself in the face from the ref. So many, so many false, uh, standing 10 counts. Can you, I can't even remember outside of a last, I mean, a, a last man standing match. Like, they don't ever even do a standing 10 count in WWE, do they? Like, I guess every once in a while they do. It's been a long time since I saw one on TV. So that I mean, that in itself, it was just so overdone. The re- that referee in particular tries to make the match about himself a lot. Not just this match, but watch some of the other stuff he's refed. Uh, he's always... There's him and one other guy that I can't think of right now. I can't think of his name. But they're... I, they just get super into talking. <laughs> Like right next to the hard cam a lot. Um, I, I don't know, man. There isn't a lot to take from this match other than it was just two dudes hitting each other with shit for like 37 minutes, and it went on way too fucking long. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't. It, just an Edge Randy Orton regular match would have been better than what they went with. So they could have just done like a no DQ match in a ring, and it would have been better than this. So, you know, and there'll be a third with the possibility of John Cena. Should we get the authorities to look into this? Because from everything that seems with WrestleMania, Chris, AJ Styles, Brady Orton, and John Cena all got killed. Um, isn't that isn't that a problem? Well, I mean, from people explaining stuff to me, uh, John Cena is in a parallel <laughs> universe somehow. So. He's still alive. He just is in a different time dimension. <laughs> like it. All right. <laughs> I don't even know. Knock, knock. <laughs> Who's there? Rob Gronkowski is a 24-7 champion. <laughs> He's already won it once. <laughs> like, he won it on that New Year's thing. Did they? Oh, he... <laughs> <laughs> that's right. They didn't even fucking comment on the fact that he's technically a two-time 24-7 champion at this point. At least I think he did. (laughs) If you start off with the company, it doesn't matter if you're Rob Gronkowski. If you start off and you're put with Mojo Raleigh and you win the 24-7 title, 
that's not good. But and I so, love that. And so I love having the dude bro, Chris. I ha- I had to say a state like. I forgot what they're called from the Muppets, but instead of just being the two guys that talk shit, they were just two dude bros, you know, just cheering the whole entire time <laughs> from the balcony. It's pretty good. Um, oh, shit. Gronk did a dive. I just remembered that. He dived off that thing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is that Gronk did a, a dive. And then also uh, he's apparently going to try to wrestle like legitimately. So that contract was way different than I thought it was going to be with him being signed to Fox. But apparently this guy is going to have some actual matches at some point. Or at least that is all the rumors I'm seeing. Well, I mean, he's got plenty of time now to try to spice himself up. All right, so we have the Raw Tag Team Championship match. Uh, Street Profits going against Austin Theory and Angel Garza. You know, uh, the Street Profits ended up winning. But it was because basically, I mean, Selena was doing her thing and she was interfering a lot and helping out Theory and helping out uh, Angel Garza. I thought both Angel Garza and Austin Theory took advantage of being able to be on the big stage. Um, I didn't think they were going to win. So, you know, I was happy for that. And then we had Bianca Belair that was uh, taken uh, to even the odds and take out Selena Vega. And it looks like she is going to be. I'm hoping not a fucking valet, but within, I guess you could say, somewhat of a faction. I would hope that they would do it like the Usos do with Naomi, where sometimes they, they, they work together and a lot of times singles. Bianca doesn't need to be held back from the Street Profits. I'm sorry. I think they're a fun tag team. I think Montez Ford has so much goddamn energy for days. But to me, Bianca Belair, she just sticks out a bit compared to a lot of other wrestlers. And I've said that about Velveteen Dream. I've said that about a lot of guys. Um, Yeah, so that's how I feel about that. Decent match. You know, it was whatever. This was basically like a raw match. I'm not going to lie. Chris, what would you think? I I agree with you. I think it was just a decent raw match. And um, I think when I was watching this, I was still stuck in this hangover from that fucking Edge and Orton match. It just went on forever. So maybe, maybe I, I mean, outside of me just remembering the match was there and uh, they doing the Bianca angle, which I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, I don't remember too much about this, man. <laughs> like, if I'm being completely honest. So I remember it being good. Yeah, uh, I feel you. So I feel about this next match. Um, SmackDown Women's Championship elimination match. Bailey, Tamina, Naomi, Lacey Evans, Sasha Banks. I thought this match was good when I watched it. You know, the way they laid it out. Um, I just don't remember a lot about it. Um, basically, everyone hit top rope moves on Tamina, accumulating in Naomi hitting a split-legged moonsault for the pin. Then all the ladies jumped on top of her. thought they utilized Tamina really well. Um, you know, she was, she was the big show in this basically against the other women. Um, I, I really thought that Naomi was going to be further in, but she got eliminated next by the bank statement. Uh, Bailey accidentally kicked banks and the two argued about it, allowing Evans to hit banks with the woman's right and eliminate her did not see that coming. Banks returned to hit the backstabber on Evans, setting up Bailey to win with a Rose Plant DDT after the match, Banks handed the championship belt to Bailey. Tell there's a lot of tension. I liked how they presume or they, they put together the match. 
I liked the, the, the stuff with, with Bailey and Sasha. It was kind of the opposite of what I thought was going to happen. I don't care about Bailey and Sasha. I just don't. But as far as a match, them putting it out, um, I thought it was a pretty good match. I Like I said, I don't really have a lot of details jogged in my mind. Chris, what do you think? I thought this was a very bad match, but I expected it to be, and I don't give a shit about Sasha and Bailey having a feud again. So the end angle was not anything special for me. There you go. All right, we're about to talk about your favorite match, the Firefly Funhouse match. Uh, well, all right, let's 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 just go ahead and put this out there. This was not a fucking match. No, it's not. <laughs> Like, Undertaker and AJ Styles was, in theory, a buried alive match. This was not a match. No, this is a segment that if you presented it as a segment, I don't think it would have been ba- as bad. But since they try to put it as a... We'll just go into the breakdown of everything. Um, so John Cena enters, uh, lights go out, he then re-enters in... The land of the um, Firefly Funhouse. Uh, The rabbit meets him. They talk for a while. And then it goes, I don't know. There was like so much of an acid trip. I think David Lynch is the one who directed this. I'm not 100 fucking percent sure. Um, A lot of creative stuff. Like I like the Saturday morning main event. I like seeing uh, the the Vince puppet interact with, with John Cena. I like that Vince and then they had whatever the fuck the vulture was. Uh, Mercy the Vulture as Jesse the Body Ventura, or Macho Man, if you will, for Saturday Night Main Event. And then they went to a promo, like it was old school, like, you know, kind of reflecting, I think, off John Cena, kind of being one of those, you know, out of date, if you will, baby faces. And I don't know what the hell, I guess Bray was supposed to be Macho Man. I don't, I'm not 100% sure. Um, and then it went to the What If kind of representing, I guess, if, if John Cena were to have ever gone heel after being this and he was NWO and we were on a Nitro. Like, this was a fever dream, man. It was it was stuff going so fucking fast and weird. And and then it ended up on the Thugonomics, which was previous, his first heel uh, persona. Um, and we had somewhat, I guess, of a match in a ring, in an empty ring, where The Fiend finally got a hold of him. You hear John Cena talking about, you know, reflecting that I'm going to I'm going to take away the most um, non-deserving wrestler entity within this business that's holding everyone back when he was talking about Bray. But they redid it again. And I guess that's supposed to be John Cena in this whole entire thing. And we have the Fiend pin him uh, with the mandible claw and Bray come out of nowhere to uh, be the referee and pin him. And then John Cena was no more. And that was the Firefly Funhouse. And as a segment, like I said, I liked it in aspects. That was really creative. Loved the Saturday Night Made event. You, you just gave me to pop for my childhood, basically, at that point. But other than that, what the fuck was going on? I'm, I'm so confused. I don't know what the hell this means for John. Um, apparently, the creative was... It makes sense, and also helped out with the uh, the Taker match with AJ. It was Jeremy Borash, which if you don't know Jeremy Borash, he worked for TNA. He did all the se- segments working with with Mitchell, with Abyss, when he first came into the company, and a lot of their stuff involving those type of things. And then worked directly with Matt Hardy for the Broken Hardy stuff. 
and also worked with Rosemary for her later stuff before he departed. So he's kind of been involved in segment style shit like this. Bruce Pritchard was involved in this, um, which makes a lot of sense. A lot of that type of old school references has Bruce all over it. And then Bray Wyatt and John Cena had a lot of uh, input in Triple H. They all worked together on this, and that same team worked with Undertaker and AJ on their segment. But like like Triple H said, this is uh, something that we've never seen in WWE. Don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing. If this happened on SmackDown, I would have been like, that was fucking cool. Now let's get our match. But this was the match on WrestleMania, so it didn't really work that way. Uh, Chris, what do you have to say about this? This was just all nostalgia. The entire thing was built around nostalgia leading up to Bray being like, oh, now I'm the fiend, and then a fucking mandible claw, and that was the end of the match. And and match, I use that term lightly. I would put this up there as one of the worst WrestleMania matches of all time. If you consider this a match in itself, there was zero damn wrestling to the point where I was wondering if maybe there's something in John Cena's something John Cena has going on where they said he basically couldn't wrestle because he did dick all like he swung a chair. Bray Wyatt disappeared. Bray Wyatt then put a mandible claw on him and got a pin. That was it. And, like, this is a lineage of bad matches. Like, if I'm Bray Wyatt and they present this to me after losing to Goldberg and my big previous WrestleMania match being against Orton and there being a bunch of fucking cockroaches in the ring, I probably would have told them to go fuck themselves and let's just have a normal-ass wrestling match. Um, But that's just me. I mean... I know there's people out there that liked this, and I think if this was a segment leading up to an actual wrestling match, I may have liked it more. But not only was it like, to me, it wasn't as well done as the Boneyard thing, and it literally was just uh, the member berries from South Park, basically. You remember remember the NWA? You guys remember Wolfpack? Like... (laughs) And some of that shit didn't even make sense. I mean, I guess what they were teasing at is that John Cena could have turned heel. What would the world be like then? It's like, uh, I don't know. I didn't get it, and I didn't really like it that much. What if Superman was born in the Soviet (laughs) Union? (laughs) Yeah, but, I mean, you get what I'm saying is, like, I don't care. I don't care. Like Like I said, (laughs) if you had this exact segment that you built, and you put this on the Go Home SmackDown show... And this is the last segment, and then we maybe, I don't know, have John Cena wake up in his bed all in sweats or some shit like that. Like, oh, what the fuck happened? And then the next time is an actual match between the two of them. Should you could do a cage match if you want to and just let him have an actual wrestling match, I would have really preferred that. Um, But it was a well-done segment. It just did not need to be a WrestleMania. Or it didn't need to be masked as a WrestleMania match. It wasn't. And here's my other problem with this that I think made me even more pissed off and that no one's really talked about on any podcast I've heard, which is they did a 10-minute break with just fucking pushing the WWE Network after this weird fucking Bray Wyatt thing you just watched. And then they're like, oh, yeah, the Drew McIntyre match is still happening. Like, I thought the show was over. Like, they had forgotten about a match. That's how long in between those things were. And, you know, I know they were trying to give Drew and Brock the big main event match, but they put them on after this fucking weird thing, followed by like a very, very, I mean, 
even before that, the very, very slow work edge match. And then I was just like, man, these poor guys, it doesn't matter what they do in the ring. No one's going to give a shit about this match. And that's kind of been like everybody's like, oh, well, it was a Brock match. That's basically <laughs> like the reviews I've heard. Yeah. And let's talk about that match. WWE Championship match, Drew McIntyre going against Brock Lesnar. Uh, McIntyre kicked out of multiple F5s and hit four Claymore kicks to win the match and the championship. I don't. All right. I understood with this with Goldberg and Braun, but these two guys actually can perform longer than that. I don't know why they decided to have both their championship matches very similar. I thought it was smoother with the transition between these go- these guys because it makes sense. No offense to Goldberg or Braun, uh, but these guys are a bit more fluid, obviously. Uh, but I just – Drew and Brock, you could have shaved minutes off that fucking last man standing match. Or taking out one of the, the completely useless matches like Corbin and fucking, you know, just to be able to have a little more structured match. I just, I, Goldberg, all right, that's fine. He's older anyways. But Brock really needs to be beaten that quickly. Like, I just don't understand why they, they think big fight feel when in their heavyweight division. Two big guys having an eight-minute match where one does all their finishers and that's it. I mean, just fucking just figure it out, man. And then to kill it even after that. McIntyre didn't even have an audience to fucking cheer for him. I just felt, I kind of felt bad for him. I watched a documentary beforehand of him all excited about getting this opportunity and winning the World Rumble. And then obviously they find out about the COVID thing. And then obviously that's reflected on this. There's a lot of other stuff going on in the world involved in that. And this is much smaller in aspects. But I just still feel bad for him to not have his WrestleMania win, really. It's kind of there. And then he had a weird show at the big show afterwards that was, we'll go over uh, next for Monday Night Raw. But. Last match, what do you think about Drew McIntyre defeating Brock Lesnar in such fast fashion? I think maybe I would have liked the match a little bit more if they if Braun and if the Braun and uh, the Braun match wasn't basically the same exact thing and that we hadn't seen it as much. And it, it to me it just didn't have the same feel as like Brock when Brock the Brock and Goldberg match to me is like the way to do this. That Brock and Goldberg match was great. And I kind of wanted them to do that with Drew. But they, I mean, it literally was like suplex F5. Drew kicks out and then he just like fucking demolishes Brock. And then that's the end of the match. (laughs) Like uh, very short, very speedy. Not, I mean, fine for what they did. And I actually, I probably, like I said, I may have even liked it more, but they gave me like a 10 minute, fucking video package in between that Firefly Funhouse thing and this match. And then this match was like three minutes long. Like three or four minutes long. So it's, I don't know. I I, I think after the Orton Edge match, man, I had just given up on WrestleMania. <laughs> and then the Firefly Funhouse thing happened. And I had just completely zoned out. But I don't, I mean, this was a this was like a Brock match that is like, okay, well, I'm in here with Braun or I'm in here with Goldberg, whatever. This is what we're going to do. But it wasn't like a good Brock match, which sucks. And I think I, and we always talk about the time and stuff, but then I keep in mind, I have to keep reminding myself that they're on the WWE network. They can make this shit go as long as they want, technically, because they didn't sell it on paper. Well, maybe they did. They did end up selling this on Fight Network, didn't they? Or Fight TV or whatever. Yeah, and, and I will say... Because the pre-show, I'm pretty sure, was on some channel. I don't know if it was Fox or... I know for a fact it wasn't Fox, but their pre-show was on stuff. 
And they were saying, I don't know why fucking people would go with the ESPN app or the, the fight app with the amount that they were charging for it. But they were like, hey, if you go to our network, it's free. You, you know, you just it's $10 more a month after that. But if you don't want to do that, you can get on the pay-per-view. So they went ahead and told everyone this, which is something that both me and you were like, that's kind of shady, obviously. Who the fuck would buy us on pay-per-view if all they have to do is download an app, uh, get it for free, and then cancel it before the ending? Like, why would you want to pay when you get it free? I, right. I don't know. I mean, I guess the the idea is maybe they realize a lot of their fan base is really old. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what they were going for with this. And apparently but, uh... stupid. <laughs> Well, they like everyone's always thought wrestling fans are stupid, so that's that's also not surprising to me. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. All right, so let's go over Raw. I'm gonna kind of, I want to talk a little bit more about Wednesday, and it's not like we're we're timed too much, but so we're now the longest show in the world. I'm gonna go through some of this rather quickly compared to the other stuff. Um, we opened with Oscar and Lib Morgan. Uh, I thought this was actually a pretty good match between both ladies. I, I think they're giving Liv Morgan, obviously, a boost. Um, she's going against Asuka, and the night before that, she went against Natalia, but she's getting a lot of offense in. She beat Natalia. She came close with Asuka, but Asuka, I'm happy, the one with the Asuka lock, because I don't want her getting more of her mystique destroyed. Um, but good for Liv Morgan. Thought this was fine. We're about to go into clusterfuck. I'm about to put down as one big match. But uh, what did you think about Asuka and Liv Morgan? I thought it was a uh, pretty solid man. It seems like they're getting behind Liv a little bit. And, you know, it was it was pretty good. All right. So we had a a repeat of the match. Um, and let me just say. A lot of stuff, I, I will say, unless I was just completely not paying attention, which is very, very incapable of Saturday during their tag match. Seemed like the tag match that they had before they got the DQ was better on this than it was on um, WrestleMania. But we had the Street Profits going against Angel Garza and Austin Theory. That ended by DQ because of Selena Vega. Bianca Belair came out, challenged her to a match. Bianca um, basically just beat the crap out of uh, Zelina Vega, and then it was deemed a no contest when teams at ringside started fighting. I don't know what the fuck, how that even makes sense. So Montez Ford suggested they go three on three, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, Belair pinned Vega after the KOD. The post-match interview at WrestleMania, Bobby Lashley said he needed new management or a new wife. I already told talked about that, so apologize. But, all right, clusterfuck. The only thing to come, come from this, Chris, I like the Street Profits. I already said that. I like Montez Ford. I think they have a lot of energy. I don't want Bianca Belair held back by this. And um, I don't think this really did well for Selena Vega as a manager within all of this either. This is way too much, too. It's almost 45 minutes with all these matches becoming other matches. Um, and it just makes me scared of Bianca's future. Uh, how do you feel? I'm right there with you, man. If they just put Bianca with the Street Profits, it's it's a 
it's a game ender. And I think she's one of the best athletes they have on the NXT roster. And if you go back, if, if people out there are listening, they go back and they check out some of our previous shows, me and you were pushing for that uh, fucking mania match to maybe be a three way with Bianca Belair, just because of uh, the stuff they've done with Rhea Ripley. So to just see her thrown in this spot, as much as I love Austin theory, um, it really detracts from the match for me in a lot of ways. I'm glad that maybe they're going to do a match with Selena Vega. Cause I think she's pretty fucking good and they have never really highlighted her as an in-ring performer outside of, you know, her just hitting a hurricane Rana here or there. Um, yeah, man, this match to me was better than the WrestleMania match. So I kind of agree with you there, but I will make the caveat of like, they did just throw Austin theory into a match as angel Garza's partners. And they've, like never tagged together before <laughs> or worked against the street profits. So it's uh yeah, to me, point. I think it's just more that it just having that time probably. And, and I don't even know when this was recorded. They may have made them do these two fucking things back to back for all I know. Like they could have recorded this. Some of the show was recorded before mania. <laughs> That's the other thing. So I don't, I don't even know when this fucking timeline falls into. So maybe this was the first match, and then the second match sucked. Whoa, man, you just blew my mind. Like I just watched the Firefly Funhouse um, thing again. All right. Anyways, um, I, I'm going to put these two matches together because I think, you know, predicting, and I could be wrong, but this is my prediction, and I've been saying this beforehand that these two matches have something in common. So first we had Aleister Black going against Apollo Crews. And an excellent match. And I think that the, pe- the reason why people wouldn't care about it is because of Apollo Crews. But for some reason, out of nowhere, they had let them have a decently lengthy match uh, that went through a couple commercials, and Black ended up winning with a black mask. Followed by this, we had Ricochet and Cedric Alexander teaming up for the first time to go against Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. Who really, by the way... Lorcan and Birch, they once in a while win. It reminds me of them having a tag team with two Bob Hollies, basically, where they they go out there, they can beat the fuck out of people, <laughs> but they're not probably so the going to win. So, so, so yeah, so so crashing Bob again, but they're not going to win, but they're still going to beat the shit out of you, and they they're both good competitors, even though they don't normally win. Is is what I feel with uh, Birch and um Lorcan, but Ricochet and Cedric Alexander as a tag team. This time they won, and they were working with a lot of tandem offense that they look like they worked um, uh, worked on for for a while. I really think MVP is going to present an offer to Apollo Cruz and Ricochet and Cedric Alexander to be their manager in a new faction uh, that he's presenting. It's 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 a guess. I've been saying this that it would make sense for them to do this, but I think that they should, and I think that would be a really really good um, good use of these guys especially Ricochet, to give him some type of spotlight. And I do think r- r- they, they, they made a pretty good tag team. So um, it's something. Uh, wh- what did you think about these two matches? And do you think there's any correlations that MVP, who's on the same product, has already said that he wants to make his own you know, faction. Do you think he could recruit either Apollo Crews separately than Ricochet and Cedric Alexander or might recruit all of them? I could see them doing something like that. I, I would just put the caveat on that. They already did that with Apollo Crews. They did the yeah. Titus. But, I mean, that also gives it levity to some extent that they might just <laughs> they might just replay the same storyline, but with MVP. Um, 
I like the MVP like could not get re-signed to WWE for forever. Then he shows up for one Mania appearance and they give him a fucking contract and now he's just part of the show. <laughs> like <laughs> after the prime of his career, which sucks. Uh, also, like if you guys haven't seen it, go check out some of the MVPs work in uh, New Japan. It's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, uh, and, and, and even some of the shit he did in MLW, surprisingly, was really good. Uh, I like, I like that idea a lot, man. I it, at least it gives Ricochet something to do. And at this point, I'm kind of just like, stop having Ricochet lose and just give him a thing, or anything. Yeah, or he should ask for a contract release because he could go to yes. AEW and just be a huge fucking star. Like, yep. like him versus Kenny Omega. I don't think that's Ugh. a match I've ever seen. And like you, you could uh, you could definitely do. I mean, obviously, either of the Lucha Brothers he's wrestled and worked with and had great matches with. Like the just the waste of how they use Ricochet. And I've, I've we've went on about this for fucking forever on the show, but just how they use Ricochet and how underappreciated it is is fucking baffling to me. And uh, I will say this: Apollo Cruz looked like a million bucks against Aleister Black. Like that is the best Apollo Cruz match I think I've ever seen. And a lot of it is, you know, Aleister Black is really fucking good, too. But that was a damn good match, especially for a TV match. I was like, oh, they're going to give us a fucking actual wrestling match. I think it went through like three or four commercial breaks. Dude. I was like, damn, we're seeing some actual wrestling on this wrestling show. Paulo Cruz is a fucking good wrestler, man. And he never gets time to be able to do shit. Yeah, so it was really great seeing him kind of shine there. So if they want to do like Ricochet and him as a tag team or an... I just, I kind of hate that idea, but at least it's something for both those guys to do and be good at. Um, and yep. if you want to throw MVP there as a manager, sure. Why not? I mean, it's it's better than what either of them are doing currently on the roster. And then uh, the Oni Lorton thing, do you think there's more of a chance of them winning the tag belts or Zack Ryder and Heath Slater winning the tag belts again? <laughs> Uh, I would hope Lorkin and Lorkin and Birch would at least get the NXT tag titles by now, but I don't know, man. Uh, that's a good question. They should fight with the realm <laughs> of supremacy of who will be the worst tag team. I'm gonna try to put. I'm gonna start pushing online that Heath Slater and uh, not Heath Slater, uh, Zack Ryder and uh, God, what is what is his name? God, now watch. I Kurt I do this. Yeah, Kurt Hawkins. I'm gonna push that those two. <laughs> Should be in the next Dusty Rhodes Tag Classic. <laughs> the final Beone and Lorkin. Danny Birch versus Zack Ryder. <laughs> the two, the two, uh, the two uh, Bob Hollies, if you will. <laughs> yes. One so from Boston, one from, from England. Both angry and aggressive. All right. So we had Seth Rollins squashing Denzel uh, Diornet. Uh, yeah, I fucking, it sounded French. Anyways, he came out there, killed him, looked pissed. I guess that's where they're going for <laughs> right now. Uh, you know, <laughs> that the, was the, the Monday the Night's Messiah. <laughs> Monday Night's <laughs> Messiah is silent right now. He's pretty pissed off about what happened. Then we have the return of Nia Jax, who came out and squashed Deanna Prasso. I keep on talking about Deanna. She's really good, but hey, whatever. You know, she's also good at being there to get her ass kicked. Uh, from Jax, who came back from injury, and um, yeah, she did. She did Paige's rampage DDT. I don't know if that was something suggested to her to give her a little bit of difference, but um, it's not like Paige is using it, so that makes sense. Um, are you excited to see that Nia's back? Yeah, 
Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully she doesn't kill anyone in the ring. But yes, I am excited for there to be a monster heel back. Uh, please do not put her against Alexa Bliss. <laughs> like, <laughs> pretty please. <laughs> yes, because you're I, my like, best friend in gonna... real life. and it why does like we've talked about this on the show before but why does everyone that works with alexa bliss just try to murder her (laughs) with the the exception of oscar and carrie zane like at some point i think maybe she has some real life heat because these people they just fucking toss her like a ragdoll well she also weighs like five pounds so yeah but she weighs about as much as a fat kitty cat then it should make making the move look good easier. <laughs> it's not like she's going up heavy. <laughs> like God. you don't have to try to put her through the ring <laughs> for it to look like a big impressive move. I, I really do feel for her because she's had like four concussions because of people just fucking murdering her. And uh and Naya uh I'm surprised that she hasn't gotten like jumped in the locker room with some of the people like her drop. I'm actually, I'm surprised she didn't end up getting buried for the few times that she dropped Charlotte basically on her head and shit. But, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully she's Uh, gotten better with a couple of them too, though, uh, during her, you know, year, even though she did great, she also hurt a couple of girls, including Alexa. So, yeah, well, I will say that, you know, Rhonda had three months of wrestling training versus Nia Jax being at the performance center for like, and being a part of the biggest wrestling family here at the NLOI. <laughs> but, you know, uh, and Rhonda also works a shoot style, whereas Nia just picks people up and should gently put them down. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's it. It's going to look impressive no matter what she does, just because of her size. Hopefully she's gotten better and uh, is healthy, because that injury she had was pretty fucking gnarly. I mean, she's been out for like a full year. Um. Hopefully she comes back, and that gives like a little bit of room for the rest of the roster. It gives Becky something to do, Shayna something to do. Um, hey, Becky and her have a built-in uh, storyline because I don't think they've ever been able to go back to the Breaker of Faces or whatever the fuck her name was before she got injured. Yeah, they just did that like one-off thing, and then it was kind of gone. So they do have that storyline there, and hopefully, you know, she's able to, to do something. Prove me wrong, but hopefully she uh, just wrestles safe. That's. I don't yeah. want to see people get hurt. <laughs> All right. So we had Humberto Carrillo. Uh, he went against Brandon Vink and one with a moonsault. Good shit. Uh, last thing. In a post-match interview at WrestleMania, filmed in the ring for some reason. Uh, that was the notes from Uprox, by the way. But uh, yeah, that, that is a good point. Uh, Drew McIntyre thanked Paul Heyman for giving Brock Lesnar bad advice. He was interrupted by, of all people, the big show, who brought a referee with him. Show talk trash to McIntyre until he accepted the match. Basically, McIntyre said, there's nothing that you're going to say or try to convince me uh, for us to have a match. So instead of saying something, Big Show slapped the fuck out of him. Um, And, uh, yeah, they accepted the match. And um, it was for the WWE Championship, and they showed the match. I don't – match was fine. Uh, It just – did you really make Drew McIntyre, like, wrestle back-to-back? I guess they're all doing that technically, though because they were pre-filming several episodes and shit at a time. But um, very random, very weird. But uh, Big Show, I guess, I think his show just released, so maybe that's the reason why. But um, yeah, he lost. So good job, Big Show. You lost. Drew McIntyre won with a Claymore kick. Uh, Chris, how'd you like this last segment? All right, so I watched all of this Big Show Netflix 
show. And on this show, he is a super ultra baby face. And this came out last week. No, yeah, last week. Last Thursday, I think. So um, in the show, he's a super sympathetic baby face. And then he comes out and he's fucking heel. And you're like, oh, well, makes sense. He's the big show. Might as well have a heel turn. Uh, outside of that, I mean, I thought it was, it was fun. <laughs> it was it was fun seeing Big Show back. And uh, if you guys haven't watched it, maybe me and you'll even do a review or something on it at some point. But uh, it's it's a family comedy. It's okay. All right, good shit. Let's move on. Get to Wednesday nights. Uh, let's talk about NXT first. And this kind of brings up something a little bit separate. But NXT announced a cruiserweight championship tournament, uh, mostly because. Jordan Devlin, like I said, they're shut down over there wrestling-wise, and he's in Ireland. He can't come over here. So they're doing a tournament with an Ingram title so that the winner of that tournament is the said champion until everything's cleared over, and then they will unify the belts and let Devlin go against that person. So sports feel to it, just like originally the cruiserweight division with the uh, first cruiserweight tournament kind of had, basically – um, when I started turning into tuning into wrestling was when this cruiserweight uh, tournament was going on. They're like announcing everyone, and I didn't know how how cool it was because I didn't know a lot of these guys. But you had a lot of big names like T.J. Perkins. Um, you know, you had Zack Saber Jr. You had Kota Ibushi. You had Johnny Gargano. A lot of these guys that would end up doing huge outside of it. You know, that was kind of the first time I saw most of them, and the fact that they're doing another tournament. Sucks for Jordan. He went online, talked a little bit of shit like a heel. Um, it just, that's how it's going to have to be. I think that the tournament will be something good to utilize on television on NXT. Um, and they can make up some great matches. They haven't shown the brackets um, or who's going to be a part of it. I'm sure that announcement will be made. But um, yeah, how do you feel about an interim title in NXT and a tournament for the new Cruiserweight champion? I, I like the idea of a tournament for the new Cruiserweight champion, and um, it's just kind of odd that they're doing it at the same time as uh, AEW's tournament for a TV champion. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, and, and I thought AEW kiboshed that, but it was still on the show this week, so I guess that's still happening. Um, yeah, man, I thought that... I thought the segment was pretty good overall, and I do look forward to seeing... I mean, anytime you get to see good cruiserweight wrestling on NXT, they've shown that they have the ability to let these guys kind of shine, so I look forward to the rest of the tournament. I do wish they would release the full bracket, so at least we know who all is involved. I hope they put everyone. I want to see Shane Strickland in this, obviously. I want to see Kushida in this, and he's kind of my one of my top guys to win it. I would love to see Kushida win it from this and then go against Devlin to unify the belts. Um, I would love to see uh, Ricochet put in this. I think they should try to get every big cruiserweight name that they have within the tournament and a lot of the past guys coming back as well, obviously, like with Cedric Alexander and Brian Kendrick and some of the other names. This could be a lot of fun, especially if it's presented on NXT. Yeah, agreed, man. I really wish they would uh, maybe call up their boy, uh, Alex Shelley, get him involved in this. Maybe we get a Kashida Alex Shelley match. That'd be fun. And also, do you think this is a yeah. way to get Leo Rush back to the title? 
Yeah, it very much could be. He's another person, definitely. And I loved your idea with Alex Shelley. I'd love to see that as well. Especially even if it's first round, he's still kind of like, I don't want to do too much. If him and Kushida have a badass banger at the beginning of it and Kushida goes on, that would be fucking awesome too. Um, definitely dig that. Yep, yep. All right, so let's start off with NXT. We had the women's champion, or chip number one contender ladder match. Really well done match, man. Uh, Io Shirai went against Dakota Kai, Tegan Knox, Candice LeRae, Chelsea Green, and Mia Yim. I like how Chelsea Green, like, she got fucked up pretty badly. And everything with Robbie E was, was, was great in this match, as her being a manager and trying to, like, motivate her to climb the ladder and shit like that. And, um, it's like, being like, what's, why is everyone just walking around? She needs a doctor. It's like, bitch, it's a fucking ladder match. I thought that, <laughs> I, th- I thought, I thought he was good. I was right. Robbie E. Robbie's been great, man. Like, I'm so glad that this guy finally made it to WWE to some extent after years of being the the basically a Jersey Shore character in fucking TNA uh, and a good athlete. Hopefully they actually let him wrestle at some point. That's exactly what Matt Morgan said. He goes, Robbie deserves to be in some position like this for sure because of how hard he's worked and shit like that. And he was fucking funny, man. I don't know what... What exactly the position is with this obviously didn't help Chelsea Green, but I like this pairing uh, regardless. And I already know that by herself, she's got a bunch of um, – she's an awesome um, personality as well. And I kind of was right. Uh, Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai kind of like cancel each other out because they are – they still have that rivalry going on. Obviously, uh, Dakota Kai had her her uh, her manager. I forgot, what, I forgot what the girl's name is. Apologize about that. But she ended up trying to help her win it. Uh, then she went through a table um, from Tegan. Then Tegan went through a ladder uh, because of Dakota Kai. There was a part where Dakota Kai was just getting like the shit slapped out of her from Candice LeRae, Mia Yim, and, and Tegan Knox back and forth. thought that was a fun spot. And Io Shirai just jumping everywhere, fucking flips, and ends up winning it. And I think that match to me, Chris, the Battle of the Moonsaults, Io Shirai versus Charlotte Flair. For the NXT Women's Championship, I'm definitely looking forward to that <laughs> match. How'd you like this ladder match? And are you excited to see Io Shirai? I mean, she's probably going to lose to Charlotte, but still probably have an awesome match with Charlotte. Do you think maybe they just like maybe the idea is to push Io, and she's just going to be the one that beats Charlotte, and then Charlotte's maybe. just back on the main roster? Could be, definitely. I mean, remember the reason why that makes sense. Eos touched down. She's not going back to Japan, I would assume, you know, um, because of all this. Uh, and the reason why it seems that it went to Charlotte is because of a visa issue with Australia with Rhea Ripley. So technically, Rhea could have kept his title, but because of that, that's the reason why it went on Charlotte. So maybe Rhea was supposed to drop it to EO. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense because they have seemed like they've been really behind EO. Um, and she's fuck obviously fucking great as we've talked about in the past, but, uh, maybe the idea was that they weren't sure now that we know that the, the stuff we know about the, the visas, it kind of does it now that I'm thinking about it more clearly, it would make sense that she dropped the title to Charlotte so that Charlotte could drop the title to someone else on NXT just because they may not be able to have that match for a long period of time. Yeah. What's weird is. And I, this is a good time for me to apologize for giving wrong information when I did. 
Um, with Curry saying Asuka and Io Shirai, at least I know um, before I reported that that Curry Sane got married to Evil. That's actually not true. It's another wrestler. I don't remember his name. That's in New Japan. That Curry Sane got married to, but Io Shirai is actually with Evil. That's that's her uh, fiance. If they're over there and they're over here, like how the fuck does that work out? Why aren't they in Japan? Well, are they kind of stuck now because of everything from their significant others? I'm, I mean, I guess they're kind of stuck. I would actually not be. I mean, I don't know this to be a fact, but they probably have a house in both places because you got to remember, New Japan does tours, so they're not constantly. It's not like WWE's travel schedule, so they may just be doing that flight thing, and then it, you know, with Io working in uh, working in in tampa she's only really recording one day a week but i mean i guess that she's stuck or they wouldn't have gave her this big spot that's what i'm saying i don't think that she's going to be going back to japan anytime soon right like there's no there's still no international flights coming out of the united states right now right no and you know with japan their situation you would think that no one would want to go in and out um because of all this so (sighs) <sighs> interesting stuff. That really sucks. It is crazy to think about Io Shirai being married to Evil, just because <laughs> those two, just Evil's character in general being married to anyone is kind of kind of crazy to think about. It's like if, if you told me Naito was married, I'm like, no, no way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Or Min- Minoru Suzuki's married to Asuka. Could you imagine that? <laughs> uh, I could. For <laughs> some reason, that checks out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's move on. Uh, we had footage for Finn Balor, uh, him beating up a- Alexander Wolf uh, af- afterwards, having a stare down with Walter, and he just basically said they're he's also he's in Ireland, uh, so they're not able to make their next move, but when they can, he's coming for Walter's NXT UK Championship. So it makes sense, you know. They're still trying to keep that feud relevant, but obviously they're not able to do anything about that right now. Uh, as is, and then we had Malcolm Bivens and Industrial uh, going against Everize, and uh, Everize is a good tag team, man. A couple times I've seen them; they've they've been squashed, but they they're uh, they're good wrestlers. Um, I think they're from Montreal. I think that's what the fuck the symbols were. Maybe I'm just m- messing that up. But anyways, uh, Industrial won with the old demolition decapitation move. Um, kind of interesting. Like seeing that come back. Uh, but yeah, I don't know how I feel about these guys. I know one of these guys used to be a baseball player. I think I told you, Chris, or something like that. Like he used to, he's basically, these seem like they're, you're mixing the, the, the head shrinkers with AOP a little bit and Malcolm Bivens, uh, good on the mic, but you know, I got talked that Stokely Hathaway was this awesome talker. I'm gonna have to see more of him. Uh, but he's not really impressed me too much, uh, I would say. Uh, how did you like this match and the squash of Everize from Industrial? Uh I, I agree with you. I think Everize has a shot at being a good tag team. Hopefully they don't just make them the squash guys. I thought this was a solid match. I'm surprised that they did do the uh, demolition slash LOD finisher just because they had banned people from doing that um, because – the primetime players I, i'm trying to think not titus o'neill but the other darren uh god he still darren works young? for the yeah darren young like basically almost killed a guy and then 
there was a lot of heat about it. And then Goldust, I think, got fired over it. Either either Goldust or Fit Finley, one of the two, because they were road agents at the time. And it was like this huge I'm fucking... Fit Finley, and I like to fight. Yeah, and it was this huge fucking ordeal. So I'm surprised that they actually let somebody do it. Maybe they're relaxing a little bit on the NXT side. But you don't, you don't see anyone doing it on the main roster. It's a, it can be a dangerous move for sure. Hey, speaking of which, a little quick um, uh, story outside of this. One of my favorite things from listening to Brody Lee on Chris Jericho's podcast was that Brody Lee, before they became the Bludgeon Brothers, him and Eric Rowan, they wanted them to become like the New Age Demolition and go out and they had like their own paint setting, but they were going to do the whole look and they were going to have those those hammers and everything. They were going to go to the ring with the music and shit like that. They wanted to rebrand them as the new evolution, or not the new evolution, the new demolition. And he didn't like that. Now, I have to say, what they ended up with and their their outfit, their gimmick with the Bludgeon Brothers, I probably would have just gone with the New Age Demolition, honestly, if I'm to be 100% blood <laughs> respect. Um, I think that would have been cooler. But, you know, whatever. Why, why didn't they just why didn't they just call up animal and ask if they could just use fucking LOD? LOD? Yeah, yeah instead cool. of doing instead of doing the bootleg version of LOD. Uh, <laughs> um man, I just want to know who in WWE is like big hammers are a good idea. Cuz yeah. let's take let's take this back to that well, Hell in a Cell match. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that. Uh, I actually, uh, you know, I might have been the person that, that thought that would be a good idea to have a hammer, you know, just somewhere in the vicinity. So if, you know, someone gets up, you can hit him in the head with it. All I can think about now is Brian Alvarez talking about Bray Wyatt with the little hammer and then going to get the bigger hammer <laughs> at the Hell in a Cell match. But you, you see what I mean? There was like for for like six or seven months. Oh, yeah. Well, there's like this obsession with these giant rubber hammers. That looks stupid. <laughs> it's like no one's gonna. You can't allow someone to get hit with that. It'll murder them. Like at least with Triple H, you're like, okay, well, it's a sledgehammer, or whatever. Like he's not actually gonna hit the guy with it. No, he's holding it. He's holding his hand <laughs> right next to the actual mallet, so he controls the weight distribution. It's but. But these giant rubber hammers, the other thing about it is they don't even do the Triple H thing when they hit people with it. They just swing these giant hammers like they're fucking Reinhardt from Overwatch. Oh, my God. Like, if the idea was to kill your opponent, (laughs) then I guess it works. Man, see, this just makes me love Daniel Bryan so much because he could have easily fell into one of these weird Bray Wyatt things. And somehow managed to not do it because Daniel Bryan's fucking awesome. I agree with you on that. All right, so Adam Cole cut a promo on Velveteen Dream relaxing at his outdoor location uh, by the pool. And uh, yeah, it looks like that's going to be our championship match soon in the future. Um, Looking forward to that. Uh, And then the last match, Dario Gano, Tommaso Ciampa. They showed up at an undisclosed location which really looked like full sale from what everyone says. Um, I think one of the buildings uh, was literally in the shot when they were coming in. Whatever. Undisclosed location. They get to where a ring is. Triple H is like, all right, you two. It's the last time. You guys can kill each other. I don't give a fuck. But, like, after this, though, no more. That's it. 
and it was just the ref and the two uh, guys, and they just got to beat the living fuck out of each other. I mean, it was just it was more fast pace. It was it was not. It might have been the same amount of time, honestly. But comparing this to the last man standing match, which I mean, they are honestly comparable. Um, you know, this one was even more cinematic. We didn't have uh, we didn't have a terrible commentating team. Uh, you know, commentating golf while the shit was going on, like we did on WrestleMania, the last man standing fucking match. My God, that was so boring. Um, but yeah, uh, this is uh, this was I thought a really good match. Brought back a lot of aspects of their past. Obviously, you know, even taking up that part in the ring where it's the wooden part. Except for this time, Johnny got to do it to Tommaso Ciampa, but the ref was down. They brought out the the um, oh man the. The thing you put underneath your armpit um, when you're trying to walk. Crutch. They, they brought back the crutch. You know, they did a lot of stuff. There was a dive uh, outside through some tables, but they didn't go overboard. It wasn't crazy. Yes, they went outside and they went on top of um, a vehicle, but it just it was a part of a, a sequence that kept on going very fluid. They ended up back in the ring, you know, where it started. They had an actual – they had wrestling stuff within there. So I actually like this match for the most part. Now, the ending, I feel like Vince Russo booked it because Candice LeRae gives Johnny something before the match. He puts it in his pocket. We don't know what the hell that is. We kind of forget about it. What it was was a cup because Candice was setting up Tommaso Ciampa. He comes out. She comes out, tells Johnny that he's doing too much, hits him in the balls. Tommaso Ciampa's like, what the hell? She goes, then she comes back and does it to him. And we find out Johnny was wearing a cup the whole entire time. They're all evil and shit. So I guess Candace is now a bad guy, which is interesting since I don't know. Io Shirai, um, uh, whatchamacallit, Carrie Zane, Dakota Kai, all of them, super baby faces. Let's let's turn them heel. Okay, whatever, WWE, whatever, NXT, just do what you got to do. Uh, but still, I mean, she has been kind of not doing that much as a baby face, so this will give her some edge. And Johnny and her exit the place, Tommaso Ciampa you know, defeated, uh, who knows what's going to happen to Ciampa. And while they're walking to their car, uh, there is a car standing there parked, and we see Killer Cross and Scarlett Bardot watching Johnny and uh, Candace go to their vehicle. So I don't know if that's setting up something, too. Um, like I said, I've watched too much of these sequence matches, uh, but comparing to the other one that was very similar to it with a – with the fact, like I said, that this whole rivalry kind of got stale and how Edge and Orton were so on point and so fire going into Mania sucks that this was the better of the two. And I'm done with sequence matches. I thought this was fine. I think that these guys have had better matches outside of it, but it wasn't a bad match. Um, yeah, that's that's all I got to say. I like all the, the other stuff involved in it with Killer Cross and Scarlett Bardot. I'm very curious where they're going with them against Johnny Gargano and um, Cancel Ray is what I'm assuming. Or if this is Killer Cross trying to get Tommaso Ciampa to join him in some type of way that's separate from it. I don't know. Uh, what do you think about all this, Chris? I thought it was a solid match, but I've had too many of these matches between these two. It's just a variation of kind of every like they, we had a one sanction match. We've had like how many of these have we had between them? Three, right? At this point, so 
Yeah. I think I'm just I think I'm just kind of tired of those two being put together because I think there's a lot of other interesting matches they could have. And I know this is supposed to be the last match ever. And if that's the last match ever, that would mean that Ciampa goes to Raw or SmackDown. Because you can't keep them on the same roster with the way they left the storyline and say it's the last match ever. It just it's not really fitting. I do like uh, the Killer Cross segment at the end of this. And uh, overall, I thought this was a pretty good show, even though there was like a total of three matches. But those <laughs> those three matches were all pretty good. So I, I, I liked NXT a lot this week, actually. You know, and it wasn't by much. Uh, both of them were extremely down. It was in the 600s, but it actually, this is the first week NXT beat AEW in the ratings just by a smidgen, though, if I had the numbers right in front of me. Um, but still, NXT publicizing the fact that they were doing the the uh, match with Tomas Ciampa and Gargano and also having the women's ladder matches. There is an advantage of the fact that they decided to dissolve TakeOver and trickle in the matches they were going to have on that throughout you know the next couple of weeks of filming and then programming or it could be that the fans turned over to AEW and saw a fucking hentai slide and a bunch of goddamn baby oil and was like fuck this and changed to NXT instead yeah it's <laughs> a, a high possibility yeah let's get to it man and i agree with you completely uh and i'm glad that chris jericho and tony shivani didn't try to sell it like it was great they're both like what the fuck is going on all right so AEW yeah dynamite and, and- We'll get to it. We'll just let's start at the beginning. <laughs> okay. So the show opened with a promo from Jake Snake Roberts, who predicted Cody will lose his TNT Championship Tournament match to Sean Spears, so he won't have to face Lance Archer. Um, that was a good segment. I'm glad they're being able to utilize more stuff with Jake Roberts. But someone proposed this. I don't remember if it was Brian Alvarez or or if it was. Um, the New York Brian Alvarez, solid monster. If if someone's a fan of both those guys, you don't understand why I say that. They're both very aggressive with with the way that they, they their passion, if you will. Just <laughs> solid monsters from New York. So, um, anyways, uh, the, uh, one of them was saying like, is this helping? You know, if you compare this to Paul Heyman with Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman's out there and is pointing at Brock Lesnar that he is the greatest. He is this. It seems like they're utilizing Jake's popularity, and this is more so getting Jake over than it would be Lance Archer. Do you think that's fair, Chris, or do you, do you like where they're going with uh, Jake and Lance? I'm not ready to go that far with it, but, I mean, it's impossible for Jake not to be the focal point if you're going to have him cut promos just because he's so fucking good at it. Like, um, I mean, Paul Heyman is a good promo, but you also have the legacy of Brock Lesnar being this UFC title winner and a former champion so there's a little bit built there whereas lance archer at least to us united states fans and even to some extent new japan because i don't think he ever held the title there um he's more of more of like a henchman to jake the snake whereas you know paul Heyman is sold as a manager essentially like an actual personal manager to brock lesnar basically uh what it what i can't even think of what he says actually now that i <laughs> thinking about it but uh his his it he he doesn't come off as a former wrestler or a guy that founded you to kill other people as much as you know jake and then once again jake it's been a long time since we've heard jake snake cut promos so i there's some there's definitely a little bit of meat on that bone but you know 
what was the other option? Bring Lance Archer in and have him cut promos and just be another big guy when they just brought in Brody Lee and um, Wardlow and a few other just big guys. So, I mean, I don't know. I think it's a little Cobb. Bit, yeah, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because um, you know, Jack Swagger to some extent. So at least he's not getting lost in the mix and there's still a lot they can do with him. I mean, he could eventually just, you know, murder Jake or whatever and take over the <laughs> take over Darby Allen's yard or whatever they're doing out there with that crazy uh, <laughs> murder, murder wrestling ring they have. All right. So, like I said, Tony Schiavone, Chris Jericho on commentary. I thought they did fucking great. Um, they just brought it, man. And Chris Jericho, he's he was really good about being a good heel uh, and commentating. Instead of, you know, going out there and being like, Cody's the worst, blah, 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 blah. He's, he's giving props to him, saying, I don't like him as a human. I think he fucking sucks. But blah, 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 blah. Like, that's what a heel's supposed to do. You're supposed to build up your opposition um, so it's credible. So if you lose to him or if you have a, a long match where you almost lose to him, it's it, it makes sense. And so Chris Jericho was able to separate himself and be a commentator very much like MJF when he's been behind the booth uh, for they've had him do it for uh, AEW Dark. He still comes out like a heel, but he can present the the baby face or the worth ethic of the person and separate it and still not kind of demean or de- yeah demean his heel, his heelness, if you will. So I love them as ta- as a commentating team. I know that we're not going to get this a bunch, but, you know, I liked him and Cody. I really liked him and Chris. Did you enjoy Tony Schiavone and Chris Jericho being the commentary team this week? I really did. I thought uh, Jericho was great the entire time. Um, and, and he played off Schiavone really well. Um, Schiavone just is, he, he's been so great, man. It's so good to see this guy back in wrestling. And yeah. Just, it's just such a happy thing every time I hear Schiavone on the mic in AEW. makes me really, really happy. And it's not just like a nostalgia thing either. Like he's legitimately doing a good job at whatever they ask him to do. Okay, we want you to do a promo or an interview with Cody Rhodes in a limo. Great. Uh, I want you to go work with Britt Baker. Great. I want you to do commentary with Chris Jericho. Great. Like everything he's done has been fucking solid, at least in my opinion. Yep. And I mean, he lives in Georgia. They're filming in Georgia now. So it's like in before he was traveling to, to uh, whatchamacallit, Jacksonville. So. He's local. He can definitely work it. Um, we had the first match. I don't think anyone really remembers because I didn't even remember this, but Lance Archer came out and just destroyed this dude, Alan Angels. Um, actually, most of the people, the, the enhancement talent, uh, it, including Alan Angels, these are all guys from Southern Honor Wrestling. And this is in Norcross where they're at, where they're at QT Marshall and Cody's actual wrestling camp. So I saw Danny um, and, and Tony Schiavone mentioned her, and like Chris Jericho's like, who? I think it's Danny Jansen. She was just on NWA. That's how I know her. And she did a squash match uh, in AEW beforehand. But Tony's like, that's blah, blah, blah. And he's like, who the heck is that? He must be a terrible wrestler. And Tony's like, well, actually, it's a female. And he's like, oh, never mind. Like, it was good to see a lot <laughs> of those guys that I've seen bust their ass, even if it's in squash matches, get some – you know, some, some airtime. That, that's awesome that they're taking advantage of that, uh, being over here in Atlanta. Um, but, yeah, Lance destroyed him. Uh, is there anything else to take away from this? Lance Archer, monster? He's a monster. I love the nickname Murderhawk. 
It's pretty. Me too. It's a pretty. It's a pretty good gimmick name. I got that. Shivani calling him the Murder Hawk was pretty great. Here's a question. Lance is actually pretty damn good on the mic, even though Jake, you know, is his handler, if you will. But he's not. Based on how many sequences they have with Jake, if Jake's not going to actually physically be there, is it that bad to let Lance Archer cut a promo by himself, even though he hasn't yet? I, man, that's a good question. Because they have Jake like quarantined in a hotel room in Atlanta or something, I heard. So, yeah. um, maybe. I don't know. That might be a bad idea. Because if he sucked, I would be like, no, don't do it. But, I mean, I was live where Lance Archer was fucking playing a heel and doing an awesome fucking, you know, uh, promo right afterwards, cutting down the audience and the guys he just beat the shit out of. So. Yeah, but if he talks now, then he has to talk every time Jake talks. Yeah, that's a good point. You know what I mean? Like, as soon as you break that, your your manager speaking for you, then then you become part of it. And then that'll probably take away from the mystique of what they're going for with the character. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure Lance Archer would be fine if they wanted to do that. I just don't. You know, they'll probably just continue to give him squash matches until they can do some video stuff with Jake. Yep. All right. Well, Hikaru Shida went against Britt Baker. This might have been match of the night on AEW side. One of my favorite matches, uh, period, between the uh, two programs. Both ladies, and I felt bad because it's going on the exact same time as that ladder match, but I thought both women's matches might have stolen their respective shows. Um, but Hikaru Shida and Britt Baker, Shida fucking busted Britt Baker open throughout portion of completely smashed her in the nose. And then shortly after that gave her not a shining wizard, but something close to that and just kneed her right in the face. Britt's bleeding everywhere. But they just, they were, they're working really well together. Britt as a heel, I think is doing better. I love smitten uh, Tony Schiavone talking up. Um, <laughs> Britt Baker, and I love how he's been called out by now Jim Ross, Cody, and also uh, um, Chris Jericho. Like, Tony, like, why do you know so much about Britt? Like, you're married. Like, quit being a creep. I was like, you know. But (laughs) apparently, like, (laughs) there's a bunch of, like, I was listening to him and um, uh, why can't I think? Oh, Conrad Thompson on their uh, their show together. Conrad's giving giving him so much shit about like so what is I think I think his wife's name's Nancy so what does Miss Nancy think about all of your little uh your work wives he's like I don't know what you're talking about he's like you know you and Dasha and <laughs> you and you and Britt seems like you guys are very very well they're just they're just nice girls and he's like shut the fuck up Tony he's like just busting his balls like apparently the girls love Tony he's <laughs> he's very he's very Teddy and lovable I would say um, <laughs> it's kind of uh, like it's kind of like he is he's AEW's Mean Gene. <laughs> yeah it really is oh man but i thought this is an awesome match chris um he kurt Oshida won but i think Britt baker actually won this match if you will that part where she's bleeding and she finally sees how much blood's coming out and she puts her hand and then she starts laughing you know it's just uh, her and adam page i didn't think anything i i did not care about either one of them and they're both shoved down our throat as two of the top baby faces of their divisions and now, being able to just do whatever they did, they've gotten themselves in better positions. And I think Britt's on her way to becoming one of the the tops. And she's becoming a good heel. How would you like this match? Yeah, I mean, I think it 
the one thing I'll say about Britt Baker is she went from having one of the worst promos I've ever seen to just getting better week after week after week. I never thought her in-ring stuff was bad, but that if you go back to that first promo, I absolutely buried it. And then we had the second promo, and I was like, ah, oh, that's better, but still bad. And then I was like, it's almost like if she just went to the back and talked to, like, Tolly and Arn, and was like, hey, can you guys help me a little bit? It's It's like she utilize the people that are around her and got much better on the mic and having that back and forth with Tony Shivani, I think helped a lot. I thought this match was really, really good. <clears throat> and, um, I will say there's one funny moment where Chris Jericho said after she's bleeding, he says something like that's some deep red blood, Tony, <laughs> for whatever reason, it just stuck in my mind. But, um, yeah, I like, what I like about pineapple Pete? Pineapple Pete. <laughs> Look, I don't care what your name is in wrestling beforehand. If you were there and Chris Jericho called you Pineapple Pete, fucking run with it, dude. That's all I gotta yeah, you're say. Pineapple, you're Pineapple Pete now, bro. You're never coming back from that. You gotta be careful, though. You don't want to end up like, uh, was it Adam Rose and the Rosebuds or uh, No Way Jose? You gotta be very careful with these kind of names. <laughs> WWE will sign you. <laughs> hey, pal. All right, um... So this is the match that we're talking about. You know what I love is when Kenny doesn't tag with Kota Ibushi or Adam Page and decides to tag with Michael Nakazawa. I'm just kidding. I don't think anyone in the history of fucking wrestling has said that. Best friends going against Kenny Omega and his best friend, Michael Nakazawa. They had a cute little scene beforehand where Kenny and Michael were talking about the fact that they were the new best friends um, and got caught by their opponents. And this caused a, a, a rivalry, and it, it won the ring. This was fucking just... Why can't we just get another Kenny and, and Trent Beretta match? Why couldn't that just be it? Like, seriously? Michael Nakazawa was... I, 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 I have gotten Jimmy Havoc. Took me a little while, but I started liking him. I have gotten Orange Cassidy. I really like Orange Cassidy. Marco Stunt. I don't think there's anything that's going to make me like Michael Nakazawa. The baby oil thing is stupid. It's dangerous because it makes people fucking slip. I don't understand why. Like, he was about to get a backbreaker from someone. I think it was Chucky. And Chuck, like, fucking slipped with Michael. And, I mean, that's just an injury waiting to happen. I don't – I think it's stupid. I don't think that – I think there is room for humor in this. This is not entertaining. At least, I'll say this, at least the Joey Ryan thing is is shocking and funny. This is just fucking dumb. It just, I loved it when it looked like they clipped out a certain part of a segment and just got it to where Michael was about to tag in. Because if you just see it, it just abruptly, all of a sudden, keeps on, like, going forward. And they're like, Tony and Chris Jericho are like, finally, just tagging Kenny, just tagging Kenny. This was this was dumb. I know that Chris Jericho, this type of stuff that he doesn't like, you know, he's he's gone to give credits to people like I just said that he didn't see that much beforehand and how they've, you know, changed his mind. I at least the best friends that the Young Bucks have getting jobs to and Cody with QT Marshall or Brandon Cutler for the the best friends. At least they're being utilized in smart ways. Michael Nakazawa, just, I don't think he brings shit. I'm sorry, I hate to bury him, but just stick the oil up your fucking mouth and just swallow all of it before you go into your next match. So stupid. Um, I didn't like this match. Chris, what did you think? 
I did not like this match either. Uh, you did a lot of burials, so I'm going to try to follow it up. <laughs> Let's see. Go uh, for it. There's, there's one section in here where, and I, I, I got it wrote down here. Jericho said, um, Kenny, Kenny has a, f- a cute and fun side to him and a weird Japanese style of entertainment. And then he went on to say, but I liked it better when he used his Japanese style of wrestling to beat up guys. That's basically what he said. There was multiple times where Jericho poked fun at this weird match. He also said this is not like he talks about how Omega could have a good match with a had a good match with a blow up doll and fought an 11 year old girl. Like he brought up all of the cornet points of why he hates Omega while commentating on this match. And I don't know if he was trying to put that over or if he was just like, <laughs> I think he like, was. And then Michael Nakazawa <laughs> fucked that up completely. I think he was trying to put him over for all those stupid things and being like, hey, man, he could fucking fight a blow-up doll. And he did it in his early career, but seriously. And then Michael Nakazawa comes out there and it's like, okay, never mind. I should shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, it's like halfway through this match, Jericho and Shivani were just like... I think when Shivani had to say that's the hentai slide, that's when they knew it was all down the hill from there. Like, this is... um. This is this is just I don't know I I never liked this style of wrestling where it's too comedic. If they wanted to do a funny Nakazawa match, they could have just had him go against Orange Cassidy. I don't understand putting Kenny Omega with this guy. Like, I don't want him to to lower Orange Cassidy's stock by even having a fucking match with him. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if Orange Cassidy won and. And no sold the uh, baby oil because he's got all the denim on and etc. You could do something fun while still doing Nakazawa's thing, whatever it may be. Um, there was another funny thing that Jericho said on commentary at the very beginning of the match. Nakazawa just had the baby oil next to his feet, and Chris Jericho's like, "Why isn't he hiding that in his trunks?" And he's like, "If I didn't get checked before the matches, I'd have like a fork, brass knuckles, and a pencil." And this will go down to, to, to Sean losing. Also, Sean Spears, if you're trying to find a fucking tag partner, why are you trying to get Michael Nakazawa as your fucking tag partner? Especially still trying to recruit him after he does all the baby oil shit. Uh, I don't know. Sean Spears has never been that good to me. He's a dollar. I, I told everyone that that fucking perfect tin shit wasn't going to last when he showed up at that rumble that we reviewed. However long ago that was. He's a dullard. All right, so um, I like the John Moxley and Jack, Jake Hager video packages, Chris. They kind of reminded me of, like, UFC packages. They're trying to put a big fight feel between the two. I mean, you have Jake Hager, or Jake Hager, who is in, you know, he's got MMA competition. He's ex-WWE World Heavyweight Champion. You know, he's got a lot of credentials. And it just seems like he doesn't have a lot of substance. So this is kind of adding towards it. And I will say it's it's a lot of to do with what what happened, but John Moxley as the champion kind of isn't getting over to the level I thought it was. If I'm gonna be honest with you, and they're gonna have a empty arena match. They're gonna do it in the style of Terry Funk, basically. I think they're gonna fucking and also rock and mankind where they fight in the crowd and throw each other through chairs. What I'm assuming, um, but it it looks like it'll be a fun match. Um, my level of caring. I just feel like John Mox is going to get a win. So they brought it up a little bit, but it wasn't that high to begin with between the two 
to have a match between, you know, to have a match between them. Uh, how do you feel about this, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you. This it would have just been, you know, Dean getting a win, so I wasn't too upset about it. All right, the next segment is Matt Hardy um, talking to Vanguard One about Chris Jericho. <laughs> join. They they take what what does he call him? The ass of Jack or something like that. <laughs> the whole the whole of ass is Chris Jericho's name. Whole of ass. Um, and basically, they Vanguard One and him set flames to the T-shirt that was given to uh, Vanguard One because Chris Jericho was trying to recruit Vanguard One. So it's just funny as fuck. I don't care. This is the type of stuff that I actually do like. Um, and challenged him to a el- elite deletion at the Hardy compound. So we're going to get Jericho and Matt Hardy at the Hardy compound for elite deletion. I am very much looking forward to this. But like I said, too much. This has got to be it for a while for me for segment <laughs> battles. Or I'll lose my brain. Uh, how do you feel? Well, I mean, the thing about the Hardy compound is they're going to end up in a wrestling ring, at least. Like, even in yeah. Final Deletion, they end up in a wrestling ring. <laughs> even though there's so much other crazy shit in that, they do end up having a wrestling match. So there's that. I'm assuming this will be much the same. I thought this was hilarious. I like he called Jake Hagar. What do you call him? Jericho's Frankenstein monster. <laughs> Jericho's Frankenstein monster. <laughs> um. I, Hardy's great. I think the difference to me, like, if you look at something like Final Deletion versus the Funhouse that we talked about earlier, it's Hardy knows that it's supposed to be weird and funny. He's not taking it seriously, where the Bray Wyatt character is very serious. Um, so I think that's the the primary difference for me as far as my enjoyment level. And like I said, they're going to end up in a wrestling ring at this Hardy combat. It's, it's guaranteed. Yeah, I think that's very, very safe to say. Oh, did I lose you, Dane? Or you you got muted or something? Wow, I muted myself instead of unmuting myself. That's really fucking good. (laughs) (sighs) Jesus Christ. So Brody Lee beat the shit out of a, 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 a jobber, Lee Johnson. Squash him really quick. Um, and, uh, yeah, that just got him with the clothesline. I'm trying to – the segment that he had with the Dark Order, um, he was in his usual garb. All right, wait. So given Archer squash matches makes sense. Doesn't sense. What, is, what happened in that? Do you remember what happened with Brody Lee in the Dark Order? He was in a suit. I'm trying to find out, like, once Vince-isms he was, like, making fun of. I didn't catch any Vince-isms other than there was the one of the members of the Dark Order was wearing a suit. The other two guys were just dressed kind of casually or like putties. And he took that guy into AEW and, and scolded them, basically telling them they had to dress for success, which I guess is like kind of a Vince-ism, but not as spot on as some of the other things he did. Either way, they're definitely building up Brody Lee. Uh, I don't think it's bad. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see where we're going forward. Is Evil Uno ever going to show back up, or is it Dick Grayson, Stu Grayson, um, Vega? No, it's not Vega. It's it's Saget. Um, whatever the other fucking member was. 
Anyways, TNT Championship Tournament semifinals match. We had Cody going against Sean Spears. And Spears lost. Fucking weird. Um, yeah, so Spears' shoulders were counted down while he was in the figure four giving Cody the win. I've seen Rick do this in the past. It was cool seeing Cody do this. I don't know if Dusty, I know Dusty did the figure four, but it's it's cool to see the figure four utilize for a three count because of the fact that the person's trying to keep himself up and kind of like, you know, loses strength, if you will, and you're down for three. So if I was, like I said, if I was Tully Blanchard, I'd be like, all right, he doesn't even need a tag partner. He just needs to get the fuck away from me. And I would have the, I, I would have the revival just come out and beat the shit out of Sean Spears. But that's my opinion. Um, Cody won. How'd you like this, Chris? What happened to the Joey Janela, Sean Spears feud? Did that just fizzle? Yeah, they ended it on dark. They ended their, they had the blow off match on, on AEW dark. Okay. All right. I'm just curious. Cause I, I didn't remember seeing it. So I must've just missed that episode of dark. Um, yeah, <laughs> this was a pretty decent match overall. Um, Obviously, to advance Cody to the semifinals, we kind of think that he's going to go all the way to the end. I'm thinking, um, not not a whole lot here to talk about. There was some there was some funny Jericho moments, like when Cody hit two crossroads, he called him a pompous son, pompous son of a bitch, and Jericho just his hate for Cody was pretty funny. The whole match, like the the continuation of him playing that up, um. The figure four finish, it's, I guess it's, you're in such pain that you get your shoulders pinned, but the way Rick always did it was, like, Arn would hit someone with a chair, and then he would lock on the figure four, but the guy was clearly already knocked out, (laughs) and I get the pass out, I get the pass out from the pain thing, because Austin did it, but that, Austin didn't pass out from the pain, he passed out from blood loss, that was the Bret Hart Austin moment, or that's how it was at least sold on commentary is that he wouldn't give up and basically passed out from blood loss. Cause he had gotten color. Um, just getting pinned with a figure four when sting has already shown us, you can just roll over and reverse it is just baffling, but I guess he did take two crossroads beforehand. Maybe it was just, just a weird selling thing. I mean, Cody was definitely trying to show his dominance. It's just, you know, maybe he could have just did the two crossroads and put him in the figure four and they just count the pin without Sean Spears selling it because he's already knocked out. That's probably would have been the route I went with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So we got Friday night Smackdown, which happened last night. Let's try to get through this slog fest. <laughs> uh, Braun Strowman. Open the show with a promo about winning the Universal Championship at WrestleMania. He was interrupted by Shinsuke Nakamura, who won an opportunity against him. Cesaro tried to sneak attack Strowman, but failed, but allowed Nakamura to hit um, the Kinshasa on Strowman's head, setting up a match for the two of them for later on. Um, Fine opening. Braun's got his championship belt. Happy for him. Shinsuke definitely looks like he's getting more comfortable on the mic, but... Honestly, if you got a fucking manager for him, just, you know, if you don't have to, you don't have to. But Shinsuke is very, he's gotten better. Um, how'd you like this I mean, intro? The, the weird thing is, is Shinsuke does have a manager. That's what Sami Zayn is. I know, I know. So, 
I it's dumb. I liked it. I liked it fine. I guess Nakamura versus Braun. <laughs> yep. That I mean, it's it's a weird choice. I guess they don't want to go straight to Braun versus. Uh, I guess yeah. No, never mind. They get there towards the end of the show. I only caught part of SmackDown, so I I did see this opening segment. Um, I did not catch the last two rematches or two matches. I think the Sheamus match and then maybe one after that. All right, yeah, well, then that, that gives me better reason to go through this a lot quicker. So we're going to do it a couple segments right now. I want to talk about more of the meteor shit within this. Um, but, yeah, we had a women's tag team championship match. This is a rematch for the titles. Lexa Bliss and Nikki Cross going against Kabuki Warriors. Once again, Kerry Sane takes the pin. So doesn't make Asuka look bad. Um, and kind of what we're thinking might set up more with Kerry Sane going against Asuka in the future, which we've said at length. Elias sang a song about King Corbin. Uh, with clapping sound effects put in. It was very awkward, and uh, really hope that they're not going to keep on going with this. The 25th anniversary celebration for Triple H begins in two weeks. Um, Dolph Ziggler defeated Tucker. Before the match, Tucker showed Ziggler and Sonya Deville photos of Otis and Mandy Rose working out together. Ziggler won with the super kick. Any care about any of the stuff that I just listed? In the Elias' song, he called himself Simba. I remember that. Oh, yeah, he did. Because <laughs> he, he was thrown over the fucking edge? Is that why? Yeah. And then he returned to be king. Which I was like, well, Mustafa was the one that got yeeted off the mountain, not Simba. Simba just ran away. Why well, an idiot. <sighs> All right, so The Miz and John Morrison try to perform their new song, Hey Hey, live. Um but we're interrupted by the Usos, who complained about Miz not being in the tag team championship match at WrestleMania. By the way, so he had a minor cold. They sent him home. So after he's done, they decided to bring him back. Why? Ugh. Anyways. Because <laughs> you can't do the shows without Miz. Miz is the constant. <laughs> you can tell he was still getting over a cold, though. He was a little bit raspy. It's like, let him stay home. Uh, they were interrupted by the New Day. Uh, Big E suggested that since the members of each team had tried uh, the triple threat at WrestleMania, that the other three should. So next week we're going to get Jey Uso versus The Miz versus Big E uh, for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Okay, in the most roundabout, stupid, to your, getting to your ass from your elbow sort of scenario, I get what they're doing. They had a singles match three-way for the tag titles. So they're going to have another singles match with the other guys that were supposed to be in there. And then after that, we're going to have fucking tag matches for tag belts, is what I'm assuming. <laughs> is that what you gathered from this, Chris? Uh, yeah. Like I said, they if they wanted to do this, they could have just made it like a number one contenders contract ladder match as opposed to just putting the titles on the line. This is what I was worried about. So it's just going to be these two, these tag, the rest of the guys having this match probably no one will actually win and then we'll just end up with a three-way tag match anyways so <laughs> i think he pretty much nailed it a roundabout way <laughs> to get oh. god damn it all right so guess who is on now think about this if this was presented as the raw and smackdown's after mania raw you got bianca belair it's not gonna be a part of there nia Jax comes back cool i think there might have been one other big thing for SmackDowns, the call-up of call-ups, the Forgotten Sons. 
Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> one against and you know what? You know what I said, Chris? It's fucked up. I was like, thank God they're out of the tag division NXT and I don't have to worry about them anymore. Like, just get them out of there. Jesus fucking Christ. They went against the Lucha Party, Lucha House Party, I should say, and kicked their ass. Stephen Cutler pinned Graham Metalik after his son's inverted DDT second rope stomp combination, which actually looks pretty cool. But, I mean, the only one I give a fuck in the three of these, I just want him to branch off and do his own thing, is Riker. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> wow. What, what, was there some kind of catastrophic injury that happened to Gunner that I'm unaware of that they lumped him in with these two guys? No, like, not that I know. Is it, is it that he just can't wrestle anymore? Because otherwise, he is definitely the highlight of this group, was a great wrestler um, in TNA, and they could do a lot more than what they've done with him. God, could you imagine like, if he was, for some reason, not going to be in WWE much longer? Could you imagine a tag team with him and Lance Archer? With Jake the Snake driving the two of them, yeah, they would fucking they would kill people. You know the other thing I don't get is what what did they call Nikki Cross and uh, Eric Young's group? Sanity. Isn't that isn't this just the same thing as Sanity, but not as good? Yeah, or but they're supposed to be aces and eights too. You know, they got all those flavors that we want. <laughs> no one wants aces and eights. <laughs> <laughs> Except Bully Ray. Bully Ray wants that to always be a thing so that he can listen to Eddie Van Halen and talk with a New York <laughs> accent. Oh, God. All right, so Carmella and Dana Brooke asked Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross for a women's tag team championship match, and the champions agreed to it for next week. Good job for Carmella and Dana, but they're going to lose it, so whatever. Another thing, Carmella and Corey back on the programs. Really confused on how the hell... And Dana, I believe, was taken off of it from something as well. But they're back. Um, I don't even know. When was this recorded? Like three weeks ago? I'm so confused. <sighs> Aliens. So were, so were, so, I was going to say, so were some of the commentaries, uh, commentators on Monday when this was recorded. <laughs> where they just had like, would focus in on them and they weren't actually saying anything. But there was voiceovers. I forgot to talk about that. But that happened on both of these Awkward. shows. Yeah. All right, so we had Bailey and Sasha cut a promo about Bailey's win at WrestleMania. They were interrupted by Tamina, who was uh, eliminated first at WrestleMania, who said nobody beat her at WrestleMania. Actually, everyone fucking beat you at the same time, Tamina. Uh, Bailey agreed to give her a SmackDown Women's Championship match if she can beat Sasha Banks next week. Banks was not happy about being volunteered for that match. More tension <laughs> between the two ladies. Tamina, yeah. How'd you like this? I'll, just, I'll pass it to you. What is the point of delaying the story by shoving Tamina inside of it? I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. More betrayal. But it's like he's been, fucking her over on accident. It's been, it's been three years, man. We were talking what? about this when we first started this show. Just either fucking do the feud or don't do the feud. I don't give a shit anymore. I don't understand what the obsession is. They had they had magic in a bottle with the match that they had and the the the, the two of them back uh, back to back. Incredible matches. You're not going to be able to always do something again. Could you imagine if for some fucking reason they kept on trying to get Charlotte and Sasha back into a thing because of their their couple matches that were great? Like I just 
This is this makes no sense whatsoever. It's not helping either of them out. Like, get over it. They had some fucking fantastic matches. It's their their feud's never gonna work on the main product. For Just some reason for some reason I don't think Charlotte would ever let herself get put in that situation. <laughs> Versus what these two oh. have found themselves in. Charlotte would probably be like, Nope, fuck that, not doing that. <laughs> it's <laughs> I mean, here's here's um here's something that's actually interesting though. So we have Money in the Bank coming up. If it does come up, whatever. But a lot of people are wondering if Sasha wins Money in the Bank, you have all four horsemen with titles, and she gets to choose that to cash in on whatever title she wants between the four. In storytelling, that's one aspect I will give them if they decide to go that route is cool. But inevitably, that means that she'd probably just use it on Bailey, and we'd have to continue with that dog shit. Yeah, potentially. I mean, if the idea is to have another four horsewoman match, um, which would be cool, it would be, it would be fine. We've seen it. I don't know that it's ever going to be as good as the NXT one. That's the that's the problem. Sometimes you can't recapture something like that. Cool. I mean, there's very there's very few people that are able to have that caliber of a match with this, especially a four way match. I, I just, I don't know. I would probably steer clear of it, honestly, because it'll just end up with Bailey winning all the belts. Cause that's, <laughs> then she'll be or Becky winning all the belts. And then she'll be like Becky three belts or whatever. Yeah. I don't want that. All right. Well, we had Sheamus uh, defeating Cal Bloom with the broke kick, you know, just sh- setting up Sheamus more. Um, and then we had a special look uh, that was taken with Jeff Hardy uh, going back. And I've seen a lot of these this footage, but, you know, Jeff Hardy even said it with a really big southern accent. He wanted to be staying. You see all these uh, videos of him with the trampoline wrestling league that they have and him getting the sting makeup on and uh, just cool stuff. And, you know, kind of going back, you know, Jeff Hardy has had that style of influence and once again, I hate to take shots. It sucks that you fucked it up with being able to have a great match with your idol. It's too bad. That's one of the biggest tragedies in wrestling matches. Um, not working out, basically. Um, but yeah, how did you feel about this package with Jeff Hardy? Kind of going back to his roots and him and Matt as kids. Weird that they have Matt Hardy, but obviously they didn't mention his name uh, within the video packages. And uh, how did you like Sheamus getting a, uh, a bro kick over Cal Bloom to... You know, give him a give him a nice little squash. So this is pretty much where I fell off after this. So uh, the squash match was fine, good win for Sheamus, and the Hardy promo makes it seem like they're going to try to give him some sort of a push. Um, his contract is going to be what I think until probably August because they're going to tack on that injury time to it. I'm curious on if he's had conversations on re-signing and. If so, what that even looks like with Matt on AEW and Jeff on SmackDown. But it it, it kind of came off as what they do with like um like what they what they do when they bring back a star, like a, a former legacy star, like when they bring back a when they used to bring back like Austin or something, the way the video package was put there. So maybe they are gonna give him like a, a main event push here. My worry <laughs> is they're gonna do the, charis- the charismatic enigma versus Bray Wyatt, which I'm not too stoked on. Well, let's get into at the end of it. Braun Strowman going against Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, 
you know, they went back and forth. Braun definitely let Shinsuke give a lot more offense than, you know, he's believable. I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to even get into it again. But Braun Strowman won with a power slam after the match. Bray Wyatt interrupted via the Firefly Funhouse and set his sights on Strowman's Universal Champion, saying, you have something that I want back, and it's right there on your shoulder, and saying that he brought Strowman into this world and that he can take him out. Uh, the video package had a lot of Braun Strowman, you know, as part of the, uh, the, the black sheep, if you will, as part of the Wyatt family with his mask on and him being mentored by Bray. Um, these guys are best friends in real life. I think Bray was his, um, his best man in his wedding, or at least was part of his groomsmen. So I'm sure they're fun. They're happy to work with each other. This doesn't make me very, uh, I, I, I feel like Bray's going to take that from Strowman and then we're right back square one of, well, who's Bray going to destroy or possibly made to look like an idiot. And, uh, Cause if Braun beats him, that's not good at all. I don't really know what they do from here, but. You know, good setup. I mean, what do you think, Chris? Could you, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think Bray is going to end up winning the title. I didn't, like I said, I didn't get to see this segment, but I would assume that Bray is going to win the title. And um, from the way that they seem like they're building Jeff Hardy back up, I think that, like I said, that seems a, like a possibility that they're going to go Jeff Hardy versus Bray next, especially because now they're putting him as a legend. And if you remember, there was that whole thing with Bray kind of killing legends still to some extent with Cena or people from his past. Um, so I could see them going down that road after they get the title off Braun. The other thing that we haven't really talked about is after Mania, isn't that when the draft happens? Yeah. I, I don't know, man. That's too. Wow. That's a good question. So if, you know, if Braun loses, they can just draft him to, Raw or whatever, and he can feud with Drew McIntyre or something. So I'm sure they can find something for him to do. Yeah. All right. Well, before we cash out, if you will, um, you know, we I just wanted to say that we we said we we're going to cover the brawl, the brawl for alls. We said we we're going to cover the dark side of the ring. This one, I think, me and Chris can just do it you know, summarize it in a couple words and kind of move on. They went over the Brawl for All, which was a fighting tournament that Vince Russo proposed because he wanted to see uh, JBL get knocked the fuck out, basically, where the toughest guys they have, people including Steve Blackman, Hawk, um, you know, various tough guys within wrestling, having actual boxing matches. Well, not actual boxing matches, but a kind of an MMA boxing hybrid style of, of guys that are not directly skilled in anything and just going out and trying to knock each other out. This was something where Steve Williams, Dr. Death was supposed to be built from this uh, because they thought and kind of assumed that he'd be able to take everyone. And he was going to be positioned against Austin, all the guys in it between Bart Gunn, Godfather um, draws, you know, they kind of were told one thing and, the other thing inevitably happened. No one thought Bart Gum was going to be able to advance the way he did. They had Dan Severin uh, at the time was the UFC champion, and I believe the NWA champion. I think that was the time where it was okay, where he was with uh, Jim Cornette. Um, and also one of the other big um, MMA-based things back then. He just said that he wasn't going to fucking let this hurt his, 
his actual career, if you will, losing to someone. And it all ended up with Bart Gunn not going against Steve Austin and going against WrestleMania against Butterbeam and getting his ass kicked and then shortly after that uh, let go from the company. But um, interesting uh, to say. But, yeah, just not as a – this was kind of like a filler episode, something a little bit with less tense um, emotional traumatic stuff like the last two episodes. So I, I kind of got that. That's kind of like what the, um, well, it's kind of like how the, uh, whatchamacallit, the uh, screw over was last season. So interesting stuff, but not really worth going into. I don't think too much. Chris, what do you think about this episode of dark side of the ring with the brawl for all? I mean, it wasn't, it was definitely not anything that hasn't been covered in multiple outlets before. It, it, it was just, uh, the, I guess the most interesting things were the interviews with Bart. Um, outside of that, just because I haven't heard him talk about it a lot, I've heard everyone else who were, was involved talk about it, but it was, it, it was uh, interesting hearing Bart Gunn talk about it. It was also interesting hearing the Godfather talk about how he was just high as fuck the whole time. Uh, that was, <laughs> and how he used to just, bitch slap pimps at his strip club for some reason um so that that there was some interesting calls the cannabis (laughs) the godfather do you want to question him do you want to question papa shango (laughs) he'll make never mind he'll make you bleed green blood bro um (laughs) i i I think this was a way to just do cornet and russo honestly and then they could have just done an episode that was Cornette and Russo if they wanted to go that route. I mean, they even went to the point of like Jim Cornette directly quoting himself from his podcast where he goes off on Russo. So it's, it was also a little weird that they're talking to Jim Ross about this, who clearly is not a huge Russo fan either, but he was being very PG about it. Um, yeah. So to me, I mean, the, the, the interesting things were probably the draws uh, segments and uh, Godfather talking about being smoked out of his mind during this brawl for all. Um, and just the bark gun kind of interview you. And, and that, the saddest thing about brawl for all, and then I'll wrap up uh, is just the fact that this guy legitimately had to fight all these dudes one. And then they're like, okay, here's, here's what you get for winning. You got to go fight Butterbean. Like, that sucks, and I feel really bad for Bart Gunn to this day that they, they did that to the poor guy. Yeah, and I said to you, I, I, if, if if Glacier can have his comeback and PCO can have his comeback, I'd like to see Bart Gunn come back and, you know, have some slug-up matches, maybe him and Ken Shamrock or Filthy Tom Lawler, you know, getting all that type of stuff. That'd be fun. He'd look like he was in chiseled shape. Um, I will say, and you kind of mentioned this last thing, even though it kind of didn't really need to be there, I guess it was good to explain the whole draw situation. I thought it was awkward. They put it towards the end to give, I guess, more emotional levity. You would think they would have told the story. But, you know, that situation, going back to that, really fucking sucks. That draws was hired. They thought a lot of him. And just the unfortunate thing and and how, and I've heard D'Lo talk about it, how he has nightmares of being right in that position and, you know, losing him and then dropping him right on his neck. And you have an extremely safe worker from what everyone says and just a freak accident. But unfortunately, Draws obviously is paralyzed from the waist down. And 
that is due to a pretty bad I mean he actually maybe he's I don't remember if he's quadriplegic or completely either way just sucks so that was uh that was one of the sadder parts but I am you know it's it's pretty uh pretty amazing to see someone that's put in that position be as positive as he is and really you know hold no ill will for D'Lo because like I said they kind of brought him into this because they interviewed him beforehand um, for the uh, New Jack special, but D'Lo is still to this day, even though Draws has said, you know, it's fine, it was an accident, it still haunts him. So it was kind of weird they brought in that situation along with all this for the Brawl for All. Any closing statements? Yeah, I mean, I think that it was one of those weird accidents in wrestling. It was interesting hearing, you know, both Draws and D'Lo talk about it, and neither one of them blamed one another for it they were just like we don't know what happened it just was a fuck up um it was also you know it's always i've heard the story before but hearing d'lo just be call it you know calling repeatedly all throughout that entire thing and and feeling really guilty about it like you said almost haunted um just shows a lot about his character as opposed to that guy that new jack threw off the scaffold from last week (laughs) um yeah (laughs) <laughs> smoking uh, pencil yeah. shavings smoking what? pencil shavings <laughs> um now I, this one I, I this one's not like i said i think the probably the interviews were the best part but it did not cover any new ground about the actual events of brawl for all like everything you've heard you know about brawl for all um just kind of stood true and like i said at, at some point it was almost just like we kind of want to do a russo cornet episode but we don't want to do a full russo cornet episode pretty much i would definitely say that that is uh that is the reasoning going into it i'm trying to find out what was the next episode um i got everything right here so the next one brawl for all jimmy snooka Oof, that's going to be interesting. That's going to be a deep episode about the uh, murder of girlfriend Nancy Argentino, who died in a motel room in 1983. And uh, the connections between Jimmy Snuka and that death. Um, yeah, that's that's going to be uh, that's going to be some some another dark episode, man. And then after that, you got the assassination of Dino Bravo. I think we're going aggressive here on out. Yeah, the, the Snooka one is going to be interesting to talk about just because I had met Snooka before I ever knew about that situation, which I think this is like 2012. So I have some interesting comments on meeting Snooka and then uh, kind of my opinions and how they changed after <laughs> after uh, everything came out. So it'll be did fun you, to talk about. Did you ever meet uh, Abby, and did you ever have uh, changes in opinions upon meeting Abdul the Butcher after finding out about the whole hepatitis C thing? No, because that was already out at that point, and I think that he probably didn't even know that he had hepatitis C, would be my guess, because he was like 70 years old when he was having that match with that dude. Um, But... Uh, so the NWA Fan Fest in 2012, the one that I went, the, probably the last Fan Fest I went to, um, Abdullah was kind of shunned, but he showed up in the hotel lobby and signed autographs for fans, but he wasn't part of the actual event. So yes, I did get to meet Abdullah, but he wasn't part of that actual event, even though he was inducted into their 
um, Hall of Fame. So it's it something happened, I guess, the previous year in the at the Charlotte one in 2011, and uh, so he was like literally just signing autographs for fans um, in the lobby, but wasn't part of the actual. It, I mean, it's kind of like Comic Con, right? So it's just people with tables set up, and you go and get autographs, you get to meet wrestlers and shit. Um, but yeah, he he was kind of shunned, like I said, and uh, was like sitting in the lobby signing autographs. Awkward. So yeah, we got Jimmy Snuka, Death of Nancy Argentino, the assassination of Dino Bravo, uh, David Schultz, uh, Herb Abrams, and the UWF, the Road Warriors, and then the last one will be Owen Hart, like a lot of people have thought. But wow, we have had one hell of an episode for you guys. You know, a lot of stuff for you to be able to to listen to and 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 take away from, and just a bunch of reviews, good stuff. I would say overall, Chris. I agree, man. Uh, great episode, lots of fun to talk about, and uh, I can't I can't wait until Thursday. We get to do this all again. <laughs> yes we do but next time we'll be able to have a little bit of shorter time period i would say uh <laughs> due to the fact that we'll have two shows but you know we gave you guys almost three and a half hour or three and a half uh hours of of, of uh enjoyment of hearing our beautiful voices so we appreciate you listening to that hey if you got to break it down you know just do like part one two and three you know kind of intrigue yourself uh, we, <laughs> you know don't give up everything don't watch all of season three of ozarks in one day fucking split <laughs> enjoy that shit or tiger uh, Care, whatever you're watching or you know just whatever <laughs> that new <laughs> yeah. big show the new big show show <laughs> i'm gonna actually check that out I'm, I'm not gonna lie is that on hulu or is that on um netflix it's on netflix it, it wasn't that bad it is a sappy family comedy hey i I can deal with that um anyways but yeah that's the show guys uh thank you guys for listening to another episode of wrestling geeks alliance uh like i said just be here every weekend um usually we have the thursday episodes up on friday and we have the saturday shows up saturday night sunday some point afterwards uh whatever the fuck chris wants to do it damn it i'm just kidding (laughs) but thank you guys so much for listening every week we appreciate it and, uh, yeah, just uh, if you want to comment towards me about anything, Big Dane 42 at Twitter. You can find me at Dane Alves. Or no, not, it's not Big Dane 42. That's that's something completely different. It's Dane Alves 42. Um, <laughs> not because that's my age, because if you put a zero, it's 420. Anyways, so Dane Alves 42 <laughs> or Dane Alves on Facebook. Uh, go to geekvisenation.com. You'll find news articles for wrestling, for, for comics, movies, video games, all different types of stuff. You can find different audio platforms on there with our iTunes, our Stitcher, our Spotify, our SoundCloud, any of those things, Jack in the Box, if that's even one of them. I think that's just a fast food place. If you search Wrestling Geeks Alliance, you can find us and go to Geek Vibes Nation on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram to contact us, be a part of the conversation, join Geek Vibes Nation. And thank you so much, co-host, my friend, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, Another excellent show with you. Uh, tell the good people about stuff that you're doing and say goodbye to them, please. Yeah, we, we have a new episode of uh, At Skates and Throats where we talk about the Exotic Bird Fighting League. Um, <laughs> and we'll have a new episode probably what? posted up. Yeah, exactly. You got to tune in and find out. Uh, we'll have a new episode probably posted up Monday for Skates and Throats. You can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter and at Christopher.R.Patton on Facebook. 
um, and at Chris R. Patton on Instagram. But uh, yeah, I think that's that's everything, man. Thank you guys for listening. We, we enjoy doing this, and hopefully you guys enjoy uh, the show. And if you don't, complain to me about it on Twitter. And this time, I'll respond. I'm just kidding. You guys have a great weekend. Be safe. You know, stay indoors. Um, be with your family, and we'll get through this. And in the meantime, tune into Wrestling Geeks Alliance, and we will, you know, kind of give you guys something to enjoy uh, during this time of us having to stay the fuck home and do absolutely nothing. So, until the next time, thank you guys so much. Let the Geek Advisory be with you. And as always, peace out.